Okay, welcome everybody to the eleventh uh, transmission of the Kuditara Boxing, a joint venture brought to you by Official Scorecard and myself, Corruption in Boxing. Um, podcast with a, a different sort of perspective, different sort of introspection on boxing, where the mission is to not only examine, but to calibrate a new method of analyzing boxing from the traditional and the sort of conventional ways in, in terms of incorporating technologies and video analysis and film studies and to try and explore some of the dynamics that are not being covered and look at some of the facets that have that mainstream boxing just tends to overlook and obscure and ignore and ruin the the sheer quality of boxing that is untapped that the public just simply do not watch or their minds have been propagated not to watch so that's what the coup d'etat of boxing is about and what i'll say is that the the paradise island that a lot of visitors tend to go to for their wonderful beaches, Muay Thai, boxing, um, all sorts of hookers, whatever your vices are. Thailand. Thailand has had 19 coup d'etats since 1932. Now, official scorecard and myself, we're going to be instigating the country's 20th because it's warranted. So in future... The coup d'etat of boxing will be hosted from our brand new locations, which will be the Royal Palace of Thailand in Bavaria. That's right. The King of Thailand, the almighty deity, Lord King Rama X, doesn't even live in Thailand. He lives in Germany. Greed and corruption just has no boundaries. But you think the German, co the, think the German co government are, are bothered about it? Why would they? All of the monies gets invested in German bank accounts and hence it keeps the euro parity strong. So that's a little history of the coup d'etat in Thailand. Official, how are you doing, my friend? Good evening, Corruption. I'm doing great. Well, very nice to be here for, for a new episode and a uh, big sorry to all of our listeners for, you know, not being able to to host the show from time to time, but currently, as you you know, corruption. My my location has been compromised. Uh, I think um, it's because of Deontay Wilder, you know, and things I told about him, said about him on the podcast. So I'm looking for a secure location, but hopefully, we we are going to find our peace in Bavaria very soon. So 
it, there is a possibility of uh, some of the uh, of us not being able to to host uh, some of the future f shows uh, this month but by the by the by the january we, we are gonna be good you know our studio in bavaria in munich <laughs> is, <laughs> is going to be fully operative uh with with all the high-tech equipment and ready to go and um, a big up to to L-Dog, to Phil Obedo, St. Brit Sports and uh, anyone else who's gonna join in later or is gonna listen to the show after the stream finishes. Yeah, and funny you mentioned um, Deontay Wilder now. What, what these people are gonna realize is that it is it is just a massive scam which is going on at the moment. The level of stupidity is just extraordinary. You've got all of the, the so-called community that is manufacturing videos, but they all know that there's no veracity in, in any of those concocted allegations that Wilder is spewing, which they've all, they've all manipulated and infiltrated into his head. But they know that those allegations are false, but they're still doing it because it's generating publicity and they're, and it's a financial scam, so they could keep, make money from Wilder's name. And uh, what does Wilder do? He goes on, on, on the air and uh, just completely ruins his his reputation because of the level of stupidity. Um, that's that's boxing for you at the moment. It's 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 so channels which some people I think have got a vested interest in fighters, but it's. They're all profiting on on money and super chats. People like um, boxing ego. You know these, these deplorable, wretched animals who don't support boxing, know nothing about boxing. They're simply doing it for money. It's just a means to an end. It's just a transition for them. Um, yeah, it's kind of disgusting. But what, what I want to say is, I want to give a two quick, very quick shout outs. One is to the Teddy Atlas Foundation now. We all have our individual opinion of Teddy Atlas, you know, it is what it is, but during the during this economic turbulence, you know, Teddy's foundation has been uh, donating and, and, and distributing a lot of money to a lot of communities that have suffered, a lot of the elderly, making sure that those are, you know, they're provided with basic necessities, food, etc., uh that's admirable and given that he's not had a substantial opportunities in terms of fundraising given given all of these illegal and and sort of erroneous lockdown measures etc so his foundation has suffered from fundraising so what i would say to the boxing public is if if everybody goes over there and just donates even a dollar or whatever a pound or a euro um you know, I think it's an admirable cause. Uh, he's redistributing some funds in, in developed countries as well to start uh, establishing gyms. So fighters from uh, countries that don't have governments who support or don't have sports ministerial offices that, that allow for indigenous organic sports to flourish. So uh, a lot of these charities are doing some, some great work because this so much untapped 
potential around the world, whether it's sub-Saharan Africa, you know, Latin America, etc. So Teddy, Teddy Atlas Foundation, you know, respect. And if anybody can, you know, pledge some support to them, you know, that'd be fantastic. Um, so, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I didn't even know that uh, he was doing that fundraising thing. It's uh, it's uh, admirable, man. And uh, look, Teddy Atlas, I mean, uh, uh, even me, myself, I have mixed feelings about him because one day I'll be like, yeah, Teddy, go on, tell him, you know, you're completely right. The other day I would <laughs> completely disagree with him. But uh, that aside, uh, really, really admirable what uh, what he's doing. So big up to him. Yeah, because you, you've got, you know, 43 million people have, you know, lost their positions, etc. And I'm going to be doing a... a, a, a a program on a side channel explaining all about sort of economics and 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 how these problems tie into the coronavirus given my my sort of background in economics which will shed some massive light and uh a lot of these institutions are exacerbating the problem so a lot of these foundations and charities are doing some some great help in in, in trying to get some basic support to these people who have you know, been recklessly pulled out of their positions. They're unable to open their own businesses. Um, there's been no documented science to justify any of this. It's it's just highly erroneous. Their rights have been subjugated. Um, you know, these people are suffering maths massively, and it's going to get worse and worse. So, so it's respect that a boxing charity and boxing is not perceived in the, in the best light at the moment. That it is a boxing charity that is is trying to help you know the, the bog standard general public uh, so that's 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 great to see because you know boxing certainly you know needs a its reputation has not been good out in the media and it doesn't happen it, when you have you know nonsensical boxers like you know Deontay Wilder that is just tarnishing the name of boxing and undermining its really fragile credibility it's uh, once that reputational damage has been, um, once it becomes, you know, serious, you know, casual fans flock out of the business and then boxing continues to suffer and suffer and it's never going to get back to the heights it had in, in, you know, in the 60s, 70s, 80s, even before that when they were getting 100,000 in stadiums when Jack Dempsey and that were fighting. So um, it's going to be very hard to replicate the uh that sort of fanaticism but um you know maybe maybe just a slow sort of build up back but um yeah let let's get into the neat and gritty of the show um big fight from the united kingdom yesterday took place at uh church house in westminster uh very famous location after Neville Chamberlain got removed and Winston Churchill got elected to office um, when the Germans had pretty much taken out during the, during the Battle of Britain, had taken out a parliament. Church House was used as an, as an auxiliary place of government. Um, so quite a, a famous sort of iconic place in, in the United Kingdom and it hosted 
a fight yesterday between two up-and-coming prospects, very different characters, uh, massive difference in age. We had Daniel Dubois, uh, prospect under Frank Warren and Queensbury Promotions, who had a number of uh, British and Commonwealth and a couple of other uh, sort of world-sanctioning body trinkets, defending all of that up against um, Joe Joyce from Putney, London. Joe Joyce, very experienced amateur, turned professional only recently, Olympic silver medal at Rio. So he did very well. Um, a massive amount of experience at amateur world series of boxing for the whole plethora of tremendous fighters. And um, sadly, the pedigree that Joe Joyce had brought from his amateurs and it translated into once he turned professional, David Hay and Ringstar Promotions, they gave him tough tets straight from the bat. His first professional fight was against Ian Lewison, a fighter who world boxing may not know, but he was one of the, he was a, a fighter with a tremendous amount of natural talent, but due to his own ill discipline, it never flourished. Um, Ian Lewison self-admittedly said that you know he was more busy in you know playing Xbox rather than boxing, so he he wasn't interested in training etc. Just really relied on his natural talent to get him through boxing. But we all know that 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 only takes you to a certain certain length in boxing. If you don't put in the hard work, then it, it, you're going to be exposed very quickly. And um, so, but Lewison had 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 some reasonable you know performances took place in in, in prize fighter etc had a bit of power but joe joyce fought him his fault um has been in rebecca's world champions in the main stubborn um also with brian jennings who challenged vladimir klitschko so in quite a short professional career he's been put in with some good opposition um 11 knockdown knockouts instead of 15 fights uh power has always been deceptive with him because of the, the volume of punches he throws but he's six foot six heavyweight um very good athlete former sort of rugby player uh it's a sort of fight that does backflips etc so the agility is just uh plainly obvious um, fighter who relies on you know good volume, not loading up on his punches, has a tremendous chin, as I mentioned, of, and the chin has been chin checked by a lot of big punches. You know, Jalalev, Ditchko, all of these Tony Yokers, Hargovich, um, he's fought them all. Alexander Rusik, World Series of Boxing, so only been knocked out once, I believe, as an amateur. So, and that was when he was, you know very inexperienced and young um and conversely daniel dubois fast tracked but it's been highly superficial fighting against absolutely nobody's you know ebenezer tete and uh my next door neighbor uh, schneiders from holland uh who, trust me you know works at a bakery monday to friday i don't know what the hell he's doing boxing um Yamamoto has been fighting and, and knocking out these cats. 
in 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 le- next to no time. So we've never seen any real development in his boxing talent. The one test he had against former world title challenger Kevin Johnson, who was very washed up, but Johnson didn't throw a lot of punches. Very offbeat style, uh, awkward style, made it difficult for Dubois. But Dubois couldn't really decipher and, and and crack Kevin Johnson and certainly didn't look very good in the fight so that clearly showed if Dubois had an, had an opponent who could certainly absorb some punches roll and ride some punches and it would make it difficult and Joe Joyce embodied that but he also had boxing ability he had work rate very good endurance and Sadly, all of those facets were just completely overlooked by the mainstream boxing public and the sports books who took an absolute hammering. And they must have, because the odds that they were convening for Joe Joyce getting a victory was just ridiculous. Um, So a lot of the smart and shrewd boxing analysts all, you know, on YouTube, etc., a lot of them, you know, felt that Joe Joyce had had a tremendous chance of winning the fight and if he was going to win the fight then it would have to be by knockouts either by taking Dubai into hot water you know a Frank Bruno 2.0 muscle bound um, tire him out and then try and break him down and knock him out it seemed like a, a logical strategy and Joe Joyce credit to him he didn't have his main trainer Ishmael Salis under some unsubstantiated COVID, failed COVID test, which I'm still looking into, but that that sounds like a Frank Warren undermining policy to me. But Joe, you know, remained composed with his, you know, auxiliary trainers. He developed a strategy of maintaining distance and range. And for a fighter who's been synonymous with just using his head as a, as a punch bag, he showed a lot better defense in this fight. Um... Dubois quite an explosive sort of puncher, but he doesn't he doesn't cut the distance, um, doesn't step into the punches. He just sort of explodes with his punches. Reasonably good jab, good right hand. Um, Joe Joyce was able to maintain distance and range, use peppering jabs, keep the fight at long range, um, force Dubois to come in a little bit more, and then when Dubois would fall short with the punches. Joe just did the just the conventional fundamentals fundamentals were all right in terms of circling, pivoting off to the right, uh, creating that angle. So a fighter who's just pretty much operating in, in a straight line is going to have difficulties. So Joe was able to use that simple pivot and then hence some, uh, you know, neutralize the sting of the punches by his guard, sometimes his shoulder. Uh, taking his head off the line as well so the full velocity and impact of the punches wouldn't be realized so he did a he did a reasonably a reasonably good job pretty simplified strategy um a constant nuisance of a jab and you could see um dubois uh left eye uh, the visceral damage was was as clear as early as the second round, and 
that just prompted Joe to just continue peppering him with the, with the jab, doubling, tripling up with the jab. And it's quite weird, you know, I mean, if you go back and look at the statistics, I think Joe Joyce threw the least amount of power punches in this fight than any other fight. Um, he didn't have to use his right hand that much. And sometimes the punch technique is not that high as well. He tends to push a little bit with the jab and the straight right hand. So it kind of looks a little bit cumbersome and ugly, but there's a, there's a very good IQ in, in, in terms of what he's doing. Um, he was pretty much in cruise control in the fight as well. He didn't have to open up with that many combinations. Uh, he, he, he mentioned that maybe the risk of it against somebody who's maybe a little bit more heavy handed was, it was too risky and he didn't have to, uh, abridge that gap too much. He could just control it from, from distance, smother Dubois a little bit when the fight came into sort of close range. Dubois showed some good ability at times, you know, his jab, he tried to get underneath Joe's jab and, and, and fire his own jab. And he was landing his punches. He was landing the right hand as well, but Joe's got a very good chin. And we know that everybody is pretty much underestimated Joe Joyce coming into this fight. And Dubois corner did also a very, I think they do that terrible job. Not only were they shocked by Joe's punch resistance and him actually controlling the fight, but they never conveyed any instructions to make any sort of pragmatic adjustments. Um, for example, if, if Joe is going to be pivoting off to his right, then they should have been relaying to, to Dubai and saying, instead of loading up with your right hand, why don't you faint with the overhead right, with the overhand right? You know Joe is going to then try and step out of range and create that angle. So if you faint with the right hand and you fire a left hook or a check left hook, even if you don't land the left hook, then you're at least cutting off the ring and stopping and pivoting off to the right. But they never conveyed any such instructions. They were trying to use more of a psychological embarrass, embarrassing him and trying to almost convey to him that, you know, what, you know, I mean, do you really want to retain these titles? Just some, some sort of ridiculous motivational speech. You know, he's a young man. He's been taken into deep waters. Maybe there's a degree of panicking. His eyes swelling up. Um, give him some, some, some wise information, but none of that whatsoever. And, and, and that is what happens when you're just fighting bum after bum after bum. You've got no adversity. You're not having to learn from any sort of period of difficulties where you've you've had to implement adjustments before. So therefore, it 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 allows you, you know, to have that ability in in, in sort of going forward. You're just knocking out these cats, bringing them up from cruiserweight, or they're washed up, or they've got padded records. Um, it doesn't do these fighters who don't have a tremendous amount of amateur schooling like Joe Joyce in the Olympics, etc. So if you if if these fighters are going to turn over professionally very quickly at the sort of tender age of 19, 20, 21, 22, it doesn't matter if they're sparring with Anthony Joshua or whatever. It, that, that, that's a completely different animal from how the matchmaking is. And the matchmaking from Frank Warren has been terrible and therefore this 
massive gambling putting them in with the role with Joe Joyce has has backfired, and we saw what happened. You know, Joe Joyce capitulated to a certain extent. Now I'm not sure about the eye whether he suffered a a broken eye socket. There is some indication. I I haven't checked any medical reports whatsoever, but if that is the case and he's checked out of the fight, then it is what it is, I guess. You know, there's going to be, of course, there's going to be, that's going to be a polarizing. People like to see fighters going out on their shield, etc. But I'm, I'm personally one, if, if your eye socket is broken, you want to preserve your eyesight, I've got no problem with that. You know, he's a 22-year-old fighter. He's probably not even had a family yet. He has aspirations of having that down the line. His boxing career may end any time, so if he wants to make sure, make sure that his faculties remain after boxing, I, I, I don't have a problem with that at all. So many fighters have retired recently with broken eye sockets, so that injury is not always homogeneous going across the board. Some people can recover from it. It depends on the degree of breakage, whether it's broken in multiple places, and sometimes surgery is unsuccessful in, in that as well, so... Um, we'll have to wait and find out a little bit more information about that. But um, Joe Joyce moves on, um, gets the the victory by knockout in the in the tenth round. Um, wonderful day for for myself and even official. We both had predicted Joe Joyce to win the fight by by stoppage. Um, great odds, good return, and what I don't want to hear now is I want. All talk of Joe Joyce and Alexander Rusik, I want to cut that shit out. You know, I don't want these roadblocks keep being levied against Alexander Rusik. There's only one fight for Alexander Rusik, and that's Anthony Joshua. I don't want to hear any other bullshit about that. Um, so, yeah, official. Yeah, I can't <laughs> say it any better. So, fantastic. Fantastic outcome of the fight. Uh, well, yeah, we we were basically seeing the same thing. Um, Joe Joyce's uh, general ring IQ and uh, skills being underrated. Now, at the same time, I do not. I still don't want to overrate him because. Look, people saying that he's very slow. I I do agree with it. I do think that he's pushing his punches, etc., and that um, um, sharper opponents would be able to to exploit it, and uh, it would be dangerous for him uh, against, uh, especially some of the very top level fighters at the heavyweight division. But man. People were really trashing him, really, really going too hard on him. And I don't know why, because look, his, uh, his boxing is very nice, very underrated. I've been speaking with you before the fight. I wasn't really able to, to do a film study on neither of them. I, I was watching a couple of their fights before, etc., but... Uh, what they saw about Joe Joyce in the past is that he's always moving after punching. He's, I mean, after punching, like like in this fight against Dubois, he was um, 
moving his head off the line uh, over his um, over his uh, right foot, rear foot outside. Um, of Dubois' left hand, so with his dimensions, he was he was creating the additional distance, which was already a big enough a big enough distance because of his size. You know, his his size, his uh, his corpulence, his stature is already helping him. You know, to to evade, uh, making him hard to land on him. Because just like you said, look, even when he throws a jab, he's he's hiding his head behind that shoulder and being taller than his opponent. Uh, it's not that easy to to get hit. So yeah, he's uh, he's in my opinion, he does telegraph his punches and he's pushing them. There is no explosiveness, but at the same time, the result he he had in this fight tells you that he clearly punches hard and look having having a man that big and that tall he doesn't he doesn't need to to throw his punches with full force to do the damage uh because his punches are already hard and if they are precise uh, they are making the damage and doing the damage, and uh, we also what happened the last night. Now Dubois, like, look, you said on BDA the last night, you were completely right. Uh, he was he was trying to throw his right hand, but the way he was throwing it from uh, from too far away, he he was not able to 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 throw, let's say, an overhand right over his shoulder because, like I'm saying, Joyce is already tall enough and moving that head off the line. So it was very hard for him to find home for that right hand. Now, I saw a couple of things from Dubois that that I liked, but uh, they were completely ineffective, like pivoting, you know, um, trying to counter um, Joyce's jab with the right hand and then uh, pivot outside of the jabbing hand. But uh, by the time by the time Dubois was making that pivot, Joyce was uh, already too far uh, out of out of his reach, you know. And I'm especially glad because now as I often talk about the American boxing establishment, well, it's the same thing with the UK establishment. Corrupt, uh, boxing is corrupted, corrupt in all the countries where, where it's taking place. So in the UK too, I couldn't stand the commentary team, you know, the, the commentators from BT, they're both Vac uh, doesn't matter if it's BT or Sky Sports, they're terrible. But the way they were sucking off on Dubois, it was oh, I, I just wasn't <laughs> able. You know, I, I, I could not stand it, man. They, they 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 were they were riding his nuts so hard. They were blatantly lying to the viewers uh, <laughs> uh, Joy is having some of his best rounds and they were like oh that's a clear uh, round for Dubois it's a nonsense man nonsense I, t I remember hearing that a couple of times after Joyce having some really good rounds 
<laughs> really punishing his left eye with with a jab and outlanded him, outlanding him by by much. And they, they 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 were still saying that Dubois was winning those rounds. By the way, corruption. Um, are you aware of the scorecards? Um, no. I, I, somebody sent a message that it, maybe, maybe Joyce was ahead on one of them, but I'm I'm not sure. Yeah, right. I'm going to to read you the scorecards now. So after the first nine rounds, Victor Laughlin, Lowlin, sorry for the pronunciation. The worst had, fat piece of shit on the planet, AKA. Oh, 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 but hold on, hold on, corruption. You're going to be surprised. Him, he, uh, he scored it 87 to 84 for Joyce. <laughs> then uh, Mark Lyson had it 86 to 85 for Dubois. And then John Layton had it 88 to 83 for Dubois. It's it's completely disgusting, man. Because me personally, I told you, um, by by the time the 10th round started, I had Dubois winning only three rounds. And I could see even people giving him only two rounds. Now, I know some other people had it closer, you know, had it five to four, etc. I can see it, but I, I disagree. Even with those scorecards, I would disagree. I had, uh, I, I only gave Dubois only three rounds. Couldn't give him more than that. But yeah, I mean, look, Joyce, he's, I think, like I said, I, I hate to repeat myself. I think he, he's uh, him pushing his punches can be dangerous against the highest level of opposition. Yes. But yeah, but Dubois was nowhere near near able to exploit it. And official, the other thing that Joe Joyce does, which is also worrying, is the way he bends down and hits the the lead hand to the pit of the stomach. Because he's not blessed with tremendous speed, that can be so telegraphed. And if, if there was a fighter who had the reflexes and the reactions, they would take his head off with an uppercut. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. But oh, hold on. I, I wanted to say something, but oh, I just lost it. <sighs> sorry, sorry. Hold on. Um, I mean, go on. I'll try to remember what what I wanted. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm man. Sorry, I'm going crazy. Uh, please go on. I'll try. I'll try my best to, to remember what what I wanted to mention. Okay. Um, yeah, there was there was no doubt that Daniel Dubois would be you know the the protected and insulated fighter had the fight gone to the scorecards and it was looking. In the tenth round, that if if the eye had you know deteriorated sufficiently, then um, it, the fight may have been stopped, or the corner may have stopped it, or the referee would have looked at a closed eye. And we've seen a lot of high-profile incidents recently with 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 a closed eye. Uh, with Joshua Franco and with uh, the eye damage, you know, Tyson Fury as well. And 
the way the promoters who are backing these fighters who actually sign directly to the networks in which they can exert their power of influence in either getting a fight stopped uh, even before four rounds have been completed um, dependent on whether a punch caused the injury or not so Frank Warren would have no doubt the fight would have probably have gone to the cards and you've you've just emphasized that two of the judges had the fight in favor of Dubois and and one of them Latham pretty pretty very wide as well which is extraordinary but th that that's what we've seen over the years with Frank Warren cards and his fighters you know Billy Joe had a little bit of that hometown decision uh against uh Akimov uh, when he was completely out of sorts in the fight not only that, you know, they, they delayed the fight by a week because they didn't want Billy Joe Saunders losing the fight on the scales when the fight was originally scheduled to take place in, in Wales. So they gave Billy Joe an extra week to get the, the black bin bags around him so he can go running and lose the extra four pounds just to make weight so that they got a chance of robbing Akimov. So he doesn't lose the belt on the scales and they can rob him on the cards. So <laughs> they've got all of their contingencies in place. You know, this is one of the most disgusting sports period on the planet. Um, so not sure what happens with Joe Joyce now. I'm not, I'm not even sure if David Hay is still promoting this cat. We're, we're still with Ring, Ring Star Promotions or what. Um Let's talk about Eddie Hearn signing him, but oh, I don't know about that. Um, the, the way Eddie Eddie Hearn, we, we've seen, I've illustrated it with Usyk. You know, Eddie Hearn is 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 not positive for Alexander Usyk. He's completely the opposite. He doesn't want Usyk as the heavyweight champion, and I've explained why. I don't think that's subjective or incorrect. I think what I'm saying is absolutely right. Uh, and now they're just putting up roadblocks off the roadblocks. And if Eddie Hearn signs him, then Eddie Hearn will be, oh, all six still needs, he's not ready for AJ yet. Uh, I think Joe Joyce, you know, a rematch of their World Series of Boxing contest, which was fantastic. You know, the snake oil salesman to be out, um, create yet another roadblock for Usyk, which is fucking ludicrous now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and contact Usyk personally. Uh, I'm not official enough to give myself some help on Twitter or Instagram or whatever the fuck he's on. I've got no idea. Sure. Uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a message out to him and saying, look, you need to cut your ties with this cocksucker ASAP. Um, you're not going to get any title shot. They're going to try and screw you with a Dillian Wilder or a Povetkin, whatever, you know. Remain yeah, independent I, with K2 promotions, but uh, I don't know. Official, what do you what do you see next for um for Dubois? Because I think what he needs to do first of all is to get rid of the Philip Bowen or whoever his corner are, because they're clearly neolithically incompetent. And and that fight because it's interesting they never focused on Joe Joyce's corner once. So we never got instructions from his corner, but it was only it was only tailored on on Dubois, so we heard pretty much all of the rubbish that was emanating from their mouth, um, and it's interesting. With no crowd, we could quite clearly gauge everything, and and therefore we can decide whether the instructions were correct or not. And 
So he needs to get rid of him, but whether he's he's knowledgeable enough and mature enough to actually make that change, I don't know. I I, I sincerely doubt it. Um, but um, that's what he needs to do, and Frank Warren needs to start giving him proper matchups. Um, needs to start building his resume with with live bodies, guys who can put some punch resistance, who can fight back in the ring, guys who are natural heavyweights, who are seasoned heavyweights, um, because power is relative, as I've always said. You know, if L Dog goes into the ring, I'm sure L Dog can knock out 17 girls or 17 adolescents. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, but somebody who's got a bit of a chin, it's a completely different story. Um, so yeah, you've got to you've got to get him out of his comfort zone. He def definitely is heavy-handed, but it's not just all about a right hand. You've got to develop his boxing ability, man. He's got limited punch variety. His stamina is not the best. He's too muscular. He's depleting all of his oxygen reserves. So if a fighter is able to slips, move laterally, parry the punches, Dubois is going to punch himself out. Then he's a sitting target. Uh, then he can only fight in short bursts, etc. So, uh, <laughs> what's Doc said? Yeah, yeah, you can, man. I, I co-sign that as well. <laughs> knock out Triple G. <laughs> you could knock out Triple D, definitely. <laughs> bad eye. <laughs> Not sure about Triple G, but um, um. Yeah, for sure. Any 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 thoughts on what the hell he needs to do to try and resurrect his his very tender young career? It's, there's a lot of time they can do it, but it's about making those correct and logical steps. Yeah, right. So, so okay. Look, first of all, uh, unfortunately or fortunately for me, depends on how you look at it. I yeah. I turned the sound off because of the commentators. <laughs> so I was not able to hear what his corner was saying. Uh, all I heard uh, about what they were telling him was from your mouth. So, so yeah, I was not able to hear them uh, saying all that, but if, if they were telling him, if they were behaving in the corner the way they uh, you, you're telling me that they were behaving, for it sucks for him for sure so the first the first best move would be to to change them to 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 find a new trainer definitely now of course uh, look it's not it's it's not rocket science i mean um jojo was clearly levels above him he can he can maybe go in the ring with uh, with uh, less way less skilled opponents by but uh, some of them who have best uh good chins you know so he can practice you know things i mean try different things but just put him put him with with someone who's who's resistant enough who's not who's not a bum who's gonna fold uh, at the first right hand that Dubois throws and he's young enough and I saw that like I told you he's trying to do he, he tried a couple of things but uh, his stamina was so depleted uh, he was 
trying it rarely, so he was not able to do anything serious um, against Joyce. And plus, he landed a couple of uh, flush right hands, but too too far in between. So Joyce, one more time, even in this fight, proved his chin because yeah, Dubois is a heavy puncher, but I want to see him against someone who's uh, who's resistant enough, who's not going to fold the first right hand uh, from uh, Dubois or the left hook lands. Uh, it would be a good beginning, but even more important than that would be to 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 change his corner, man, because from judging from what. He, you're telling me they were telling him in between the rounds it was terrible but yeah i finally remember what uh, what i wanted to say now people some of some of the boxing fans are complaining uh, because of the way that jojo is boxed uh, using only his jab look first of all i I don't uh, I don't think that this fight was very exciting. It was not exciting to me. Uh, now, I thought it had the, the possibility to, to, to be um, to possibly be um, an interesting fight. I don't think it was the case, but Joe Joyce was doing just what he was supposed to do. Now you have, they're just boxing that way. They, they don't want to, you know, to, to go uh, to, to use all their arsenal. And uh, I, Joyce is one of them. He's, he's kind of like, now hear me, hear me out. I'm not saying he's like, uh, he's anywhere on Lomachenko's level skill-wise, but just like you were talking about Loma, you know, um, having clearly having Lomachenko, clearly having fighting in, uh, how do you say, all of his fights, let's say, have uh, so-called uh, a few chapters. In first one, he's uh, he's reading the opponent, etc., and, and then he's starting to, you know, to... Oh man, I lost my words. He's trying to he's going to turn up his his aggression, his activity levels, etc. And uh, in the beginning he won't be using his all of his uh, punches. So Joyce kind of does the same thing and uh, Crawford is one of them as well. Now I'm not saying that Joyce is necessarily on their level, but he was doing the same thing. Look, he was outboxing him with his jab only, and his jab was hard enough to do the damage as, as we were all able to see the last night. But I also saw him starting to to add that right hand from the the ninth round, I think. Now maybe it was too late. Uh, I don't know. It depends on who do you ask. But I had no problem. Look, I do think that fight was not extremely exciting, in my opinion, far away from that. But he was doing what was uh, what he was supposed to do. And uh, I mean, I have. But on on the other hand, I have no problem with him only using his jab for uh, for for so many rounds because it was it was clearly doing the damage and uh, from the i mean even in the early rounds he was going to the body with the jab but uh, especially in the second half of the fight he started adding his jab 
to the body uh throwing it more frequently and by the by the eighth round i i'd say he started adding the the right hand over the top yeah official that that's my point if you if you compare joe joyce's performance in this fight and compare it against his his previous opponents uh bermain stavern or brian jennings some of the high profile he did all three of those fights are actually different um joyce was using more power punches more combination more work rate in those fights so he's he's calculated the risk and how to mitigate the risk and he gave indications to that post fight so exactly yeah exactly so he he didn't have to uncork his right hand or take as much risk and get encountered with dubois sort of short, short explosive right hand so you're, you're absolutely right. If his jab is landing and Dubois is not making defensive adjustments to try and prevent that or using his feet or extra head movement, he started to do a little bit of head movement because, to be fair, his corner, one thing about his corner, they were remonstrating that he's getting hit with the jab too much. You've got to start moving your head. And he, in some of the middle rounds, he was getting a little bit lower and trying to move his head. So that's the only positive bit of advice that I, that I noticed from his corner um but insufficient and uh shout out to the uh the coup d'etat of boxing's heavyweight matchmaker l dog who's come up with some great names as well <laughs> in terms yep. of what they can do you know marius wack and rice and sokolowski you know some some good opponents to help in that sort of maturation going forward so yeah i i agree with that you know wack has got a great chin pretty much of a punching bag now but people like sokolowski is very underrated got some power in his hands as well yeah that that'll be a that'll be a good contest but marius wack comes to fight you know he gave dillian white a hell of a fight you know i thought that towards the end of the fight it was marius wack who was actually dominating dillian white pushing him back on the back foot and landing he looked the more confident fighter towards the end and you know oh, yeah. dillian just just Dillian started blaming his conditioning and all of those excuses we hear under the table. But, you know, Marius, he's got a chin and a half. Uh, a corruption, by the way. Yep. Uh, one more point I wanted to, to make about uh, uh, Joe Joyce's strategy in this fight. And it it's not on, about this fight only, but about uh, those uh, those fighters like him. Uh, who are uh, who are very, very careful strategically and um, are really going in the ring with a clear game plan. I mean, let's say that he started uh, uncorking uh, his right hand more often and much more earlier. I mean, like li uh, just like we have stated, if the the left jab was uh, landing frequently enough and punishing his opponent. Yeah, you can throw the right hand, you know, and be even more effective uh, offensively. But at the same time, at the same time, it puts you at risk of um, of your opponent being being, you know, giving giving um, giving away another one more weapon from your arsenal to your mm. opponent and, and him getting uh, accustomed to it. So 
it's it, boxing it, it doesn't need to to be that complicated so if the jab is landing frequently and you 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 think you are either doing the damage uh, to enough to to stop that uh, that opponent later or to your doing enough with the jab to, to win the rounds. No need to, to, to give him one more of your weapons because if you do, do it very early, uh, oh, unless, of course, unless he's clearly uh, hurt and out of his feet and ready to, to be taken out because uh, if you give, give it away too early, he, he's going to be able to, possibly able to adjust to it and then uh, instead of you you know if if you're able to i mean to to win uh, nine rounds with uh, with one jab you're still winning them doesn't need to you you don't need to add another weapon to it instead you save it for later if if your opponent is able to adjust to your jab which he was not able to do then you add in the right hand or if you yes. want to, to Absolutely right. And, and you were right. You know, Joe Joyce was progressively increasing the frequency of his right hand because he must have sensed as well that they were going to try and rob him on the cards. And his idea was, you know, take the sting out of his punches, frustrate him, keep peppering him, break him down, frustrate him, get him tired, deplete all of his energy, get him off balance, etc. And then start unwinding because he's He's a conditioned 12-round athlete. He can go that distance and then start using your right hand and take the motherfucker out if you can, 10th, 11th, 12th. And it it, it, it worked to a T. But given given um, his eye, uh, etc., so uh, maybe it sort of happened sort of spontaneously, but... Um, uh, I, I thought it was a, you know, well calibrated strategy. Just too much on, too much criticism levied on, on Joyce. I think it's you know ridiculous. You know, give this guy a chance. You know, he deserves, he deserves some fights now. You know, um, he doesn't need that much more seasoning and conditioning. I think he's got good IQ, good good intelligence. He knows what. He, that sort of style is not going to win him any sort of championship belts. You know, he's going to have to throw more power punches. There's too many shrewd operators out there who's going to be able to counter his jab. If that is what is just predominantly frying. But I think Joe Joyce is aware of that, and that's the key. He's not naive. Um, he knows it's going to have to mix up his game then again, um, throw a lot more punches, start sitting down on his punches as well. Um, so... We'll see. We'll see what happens. You know, there's a lot of speculation about his promotional status, etc. So, um, yeah, that that's pretty much me finished on Joe Joyce Dubois. Official, anything else? Or should we move on to one of the other fights? No, 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 I don't think so. I think I said everything I wanted to say. That in fact, there was not too much to, to, to say about the fight in the first place because the, the way uh, the, the way it went on it was pretty simple even the, the boxing the, the strategy that uh, Joyce was using was simple so and obvious so there's there's nothing more to, to say about it uh, except uh, congrats to Joe Joyce and uh, and uh, fuck you 
all the TV commentators. Actually, El Dog, you know, I mean, that, that's a good proposition, but I think it, that depends on whether both of them are still with Ringstar, because I'm sure Tony Yoko signed for the same promotional company with, with Joe Joyce from the very start. I'm not sure what has happened during the, the sort of interim ensuing fights that both of them have had, but if they're still with or have a connection with Ringstar Promotions, then then yeah, that, that, that fight can definitely be made and that can be marketed as well with what happened transpired in the, the the final of the super heavyweight Olympics, you know, Joyce having some sort of a grievance that, you, you know, his, his endeavors weren't rewarded with a gold medal. Um, so absolutely that that's a potential money spinner they can, they can do as well, but I'm not sure whether Yoko's wants to take that fight right now. He may think that Joyce is probably just a little bit ahead in terms of, professionally you know in terms of his seasoning and opponents and after this fight you know maybe maybe Ryoko will be a little bit more reticent uh but i'm not sure you know whether their whether their paths are intersecting or or, or converging I, I i'm not sure um but yeah that that's something that they can do in the future no doubt about it um all right we'll move on to the undercard fight and uh uh I, I i believe officially it may have been a fighter that that you came across for the first time upon sort of my me mentioning him to you was a young uh, british fighter from ilford who frank warren has signed hamza shiraz who fights at a, a 154 pounds super welterweight or light middle or depending on which side of which side of the Atlantic Ocean you reside in um very early days in his professional career he's only in his very young 20s um Frank has identified him with with a lot of you know a lot of skill and talent um a fighter who has impressed me as well uh very early on but yesterday we saw him Fighter, um, an Argentine, a fighter from Argentina, Guido, who showed a lot more punch resistance, um, and hence extending the fight uh, right up until either the, the last round or the I think it was the last round, ten round fight. Um, Shiraz, orthodox fighter, but he can switch hit with that sort of height and a 74 inch reach um is a massive individual that at that sort of you know 154 pounds so he's going to have numerical advantages over pretty much everybody um so therefore it has translated in in his ability to box at range if he's trying to keep range um a good jab he can fire combinations he can counter punch as well um we didn't see it as much in this fight with guido a shorter opponent but shiraz can fight a little bit on the inside uh he'll either set the trap of actually taking one or two punches to try and lure the opponents in and then they may feel that his long arms are going to be a disadvantage at that shorter shorter range but so the surprising element comes in and, and shiraz is able to you know fire some good good body punches at at that sort of shorter range so 
He's a fighter who's trying to become a little bit more acclimated at the various ranges, which is good to see. That's exactly the right approach for a fighter um, who may not have uh, decided to go down the amateur route for a for a, a sort of a protracted period. Something that I highly recommend. You know, all of these young fighters that are turning professional, I'm not a big favor of that at all. Um, you've only got to look at the empirical evidence and say that which fighters are actually doing well and which are not. And you'll find that a lot of fighters that have had the, a good schooling at the world and the amateurs, the, the World Series of Boxing, uh, the vast majority of them are uh, accruing world championships early and, and multiple world championships as well. And that's no coincidence. Um, so the emphasis has to be even more rigid and structured for these young fighters who they may have had to do it financially like ryan garcia complaining about that you know he needed the money for his family hence why he didn't go down the olympic route um and now he can he can profit on his 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 sort of social media escapades whereas you know hamster shiraz has to rely on you know he's sort of sort of british muslim sort of contingency from sort of ilford and, and hackney and and sort of romford uh east london uh and he and he seems to sell a little bit of tickets with that sort of public as well um so eventually you know shiraz got a little bit too stuck into you know first second gear in the fighting cruise control landing all of the cleaner sharper punches early body work definitely he hurt Guido but he didn't exploit that which was disappointing to me he, after the early rounds where Guido clearly had a susceptibility and a vulnerability to the body I felt that if Shiraz had increased his intensity moved up the gears and just targeted the body with some decoys up and body using headshots to open up the body if Guido is covering covering the you know the liver with his elbows tucked in Try and prize open those those key areas. Show a bit of you know intelligence and sort of articulation, you know some creativity. Um, but he was to me, it looked like a fighter who just wanted to get rid of ring rust and do some rounds in cruise control. Eventually, when his corner told him, "Look, win the tenth round," then he stepped on the gas and got a little bit of a ridiculous premature stoppage he was hurt but guido could have could have made the 12th round so they pretty much gifted him a, a tko victory i guess it's you know this this area sort of marketing strategy just keep that fighters you know knockout streak alive you know it's just nonsense um but we see it all the time um so a lot of you know positives and 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 dis positives and negatives but for me that the negatives are a little bit more in this fight um uh didn't go through the gears you know clearly he's got to show better killer you know killer instinct and 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 disposing of these opponents quickly rapidly if you've got the ability and he had all of that he had the power advantage as well but um but you know a young man we'll, we'll put it down to that it's still very early days maturation period inexperience and 
they say good judgment comes from experience and experience comes from a lot of bad judgments so we'll wait to see what happens in 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 the next fight um i know official you wanted to say a you wanted to give a your appraisal on on watching uh, hamza for the first time live oh yeah exactly so yeah as you can see uh you being someone who already followed him um i see i i, I can clearly see why you you were annoyed with uh, how he was boxing so but, but but for me watching him for the first time and uh, thank you a lot for uh for helping me uh you know to uh, discover uh, discover Hamza Shiraz because he's a very nice fighter man i was pretty impressed with uh, with his abilities with his skills with his talent <clears throat> and look it's coming from someone who never liked those super tall long range fighters uh, I, I i don't know me personally i always preferred the the smaller uh, shorter fighters just 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 uh, that's just personal that's uh, those are the type of fighters that i prefer to watch but man even despite his size he's uh, and he's clearly look he's young he's 21 years old so he's able with his impressive size to to box at 154 um but yeah, man, um, it, it, it was funny for, uh, to me watching him in the ring, a guy that tall, that long, that rangy. But even despite, not, it's not only his size, he clearly has some real talent. Of course, he's going to use his size, but even like you said on the inside, okay, um, in this fight, he was not fighting a lot on the inside, not at all, but he was doing very good of, um, you know, keeping his, the, the, those very long arms uh, tucked and staying compact, uh, doing good blocking punches on the inside when, when he was letting Guido Pito working a bit there but he showed me a lot of good things man uh, good footwork nice that the way he moves for his size i mean he's not a heavyweight of course but it's always nice to see now at the beginning at the beginning of the fight he was looking a bit uh, i don't know um, maybe telegraphing some of his punches in the beginning yes. but later in the fight he showed me that he can he can throw that straight right hand uh he can throw a very short right hand i like the way he throws it and not, not only that but the left hook and the left uppercut um he's uh, he was timing guido pito with uh, with a good left uppercut and uh, short left hooks. So even despite his uh, his long range, he's able to snap um, short compact punches with that with both hands, either straight right, compact straight right, or a compact left, very short left uppercut upstairs and uh, left hooks. So those are the things that impressed me. Uh, also the way he's uh, he's setting up, you know, those punches either with angles or by throwing the right hand to set up the left hand when he 
he he he uses the right hand often when or like a decoy punch. Uh, so he turns he turns his shoulder when uh, sorry for the background noise. Um, when he throws his right hand, he so he rotates his shoulders and his uh, right shoulder ends over his uh, left front knee. And that way, uh, his left shoulder is on the outside. And from there, he's able to, to throw very nice short left hooks. Now, yeah, I clearly saw that uh, in this fight, he was working on the things, trying, and, and he was also showing the different things. Sorry for uh, being all over the place, but I'm just trying to, to remember all the things that he was doing. Uh, because in my opinion, he was clearly, if he wanted, he would be able to take uh, Guido out by the fourth round. And I saw him rocking uh, Guido really bad, in even in the third, but especially in the fourth round. But he just kept on, um, you know, throwing one punch at a time. Now, as someone who, who, who wasn't able to watch his previous fights, I'm not aware if... That's the way he boxes all the time with this very low activity. But this, uh, what uh, the, the, the sense that I had from watching this fight the last night was that he was very aware that he can take him out anytime he wants, but he just decided to work on the things and get the rounds in, like you said, shake off the ring rust. And uh, it, we were especially able to see it at the very end, uh, in the very last round, which uh, when when it began, he 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 started throwing <laughs> everything he can he could on uh, on Guido. So yeah, the fight was not, especially for you and the other guys who all, all already knew about him. Um, I clearly see why you were kind of disappointed. And me, myself, I was because fight was what wasn't exciting at all. But it was, it was you know, a nice occasion for me to discover him. And uh, I saw him uh, as well. Yeah, his, his work rate was very low, but... He would he would take his time and he would, he was he clearly wanted to show uh, at some moments his footwork uh, at the other point him switching uh, switching stance um, at some point the lateral movements things like that counter punching so he was showing many different things by but by just a bit not not showing too much but he showed a bit of everything at very tiny amount, if you get me. By the way, shout out to to the new viewers, Alone or Alone and the uh, Wolves Wolf Run. Yeah, so that would be my my assessment of, of this fight. I really appreciate that I was able to, to watch him, you know, that's someone who's going to be on my radar in the future. Uh, I already downloaded this fight because I do think it would be good to, to make a breakdown of, of those 
young fighters who has who have some potential, you know, some real potential, and he clearly has it because I was able to see that with him. It's it's not all about his size, you know, and a lot of fighters would try to to impose their size and that is smart, but he in this fight he was not even using it. I was. I was able to see that he clearly has some some very good skills, and uh, can't wait to to see him the next time. Although, I I really hope that uh, <laughs> the the next time, unlike the last night, he's gonna put it on much sooner, and uh, he he's going to look uh, more exciting. Corruption. Corruption probably fell asleep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I had, what I was going to say is they're going to have to keep the momentum with this kid and keep him active. I mean, he can fight at least five, six times a year. I realize the circumstances are different, difficult um, in terms of acquiring venues, but... Um, uh, a lot of these fighters, especially who are fighting in, in sort of small, small hole shows, etc., they're, they're suffering massively financially. So Frank is going to have to try and conciliate with some of these other promoters and, and get keep getting Shiraz out. Um, I know Eddie Hearn has a lot of 154-pound fighters. I think Frank has a few as well, so there's not maybe a large enough repository. Um, and it's... Frank has always been synonymous in terms of getting fighters over from uh, Eastern Europe. But this is where Brexit is going to matter. And I talked about this on a different show. This is where Brexit is going to impact Frank Warren massively because the ability for him to keep bringing over fighters from uh, whether it's the Czech Republic, Germany, all of these places, France, uh, Slovenia, Romania, etc., that's going to be increasingly difficult now as legislation commences, certainly from the 1st of January, um, in terms of now getting, you know, work permits and, and justifying, uh, if you're bringing over, um, if you're bringing over a talent from Eastern Europe, then you're going to have a valid enough reason. And it's not going to be easy to acquire work permits, uh, especially when, um, your first choice of fighter has pulled out with an injury and you're looking for a last-minute replacement, Frank's not going to have that same repository from Europe now, so he's going to have to look deep into the pool of British talents to do so, and um, that's going to be uh, a whole new, different, and uh, quite a troublesome predicament for him, but it's going to be better because, you know, a lot of these fighters that were coming over are just getting... Just getting uh, basic payday, putting up no resistance whatsoever. And that's not in the vested interest of the fighters who Frank is promoting. Um, along a lot of these young British cats are putting up, there's some real good fights that are happening at a lot of these small hall shows. Uh, some of these um, fighting for uh, the, not even the British, but fighting for uh, some of the other residual titles. You know, you've got some great fights great promoters who are doing some great jobs so 
so they, 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 there's a whole rafter of talent there that is maybe they're not getting the bookings now so why not bring them out give them their chance you know put them in with Shiraz keep you know they're getting a payday they'll put up some resistance as well and, and Shiraz will keep active as well if you're not getting any major talent so it's it's a whole new different proposition for boxing promoters going forward now not only in the UK with with um they're saying vaccinations that has been developed either by Pfizer or Oxford University going out in sort of quarter one 2021 um depending on where they've acquired it for but so the problems are going to be persisting with that and as I mentioned before mentioned you know the lesser the EU legislation and the UK legislation kicking in from the 1st of January as well. So, yeah, we'll see what happens now. Official, I'm not sure if there was any other fights on on, on this Frank Warren card. I, these were the only two fights uh, that I saw. I think Jack Catrell was fighting on there as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna, I just had to punch myself in the testicles just to wake myself up when I'm mentioning this fight. Um, yeah, J Jack fought. I don't. I can't even remember who the hell he fought. Some. It was going to be a low risk, stay busy fight because he he's got that. He's got the chip. He's ready to cash in against the winner of Jose Ramirez and um, Josh Taylor, who hopefully are going to be fighting for undisputed sometime soon and. Jack has Jack and Frank have already made a deal. You know they've taken some step aside money. Um, so Jack, rather than trying to enforce his mandatory birthright now, has done the wise decision and got the fuck out of the way. Um, allow them to settle it out, and then Jack will get knocked out by the winner of them. So exactly. <laughs> so enjoy your step aside money. <laughs> Um, horrible fight. Uh, that's all I've got to say. On <laughs> Official, anything you? Uh, no, I'm pretty no, sure no. you don't want to add anything on the fight. Yeah. By the way, you was you was doing your your video analysis for upcoming fights on that one, so I'll give you a pass on that one. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I was I was not really interested in the so, yeah. fight. I, so yeah, I, we'll we'll wait from the fighter from Crawley what happens. Um, all right. Um, any other significant cards? There was a card taking place from Florida, I believe. An Eddie Hearn, the zone card. Um, the headline fight. Actually, the the fight I want to talk a, a little well, not briefly, but. Uh, significant fight anyway, you know, one hang Maniotin, who's 50, went to 53 and 0 when he defended his, his WBC minimum weight championship. Now, surely uh, Maniotin, you know, deserves a franchise belt, no? Because under the criteria about all of those fighters, about a, you know, some sort of a, a relationship and affiliation with the WBC. <laughs> but surely Maniotin should have been given a franchise championship before Canelo and, uh, you know, Vasily. But 
they were never going to do that, were they? <laughs> uh, they'll calculate how much these fights generate, and they think, what the fuck are we even doing, giving this, sanctioning a, you know, a belt for this guy? But any case, you know, Mr. TBE moves to 53-0 when he um, got a, a unanimous technical decision over Katsuya Fukuhara over in Thailand on, on Friday. I think it was on the 18th the fight happened. Pretty good performance for Manhang. A lot better than what I've seen in, in sort of recent, recent fights. And there was a little bit talk about that the this fight, you know, Fukuhara uh, was going to expose him and, and, and pretty much put an end to his title reign. But no, nah, I, I didn't feel that at all. Um, pretty commanding performance from Manhang throughout the fight. Fukuhara showed some good boxing in, in certain bits. You know, I thought he won maybe two, three rounds. Um, but the fight, uh, there was a clash of heads. Uh, Maniotan got banged up a little bit bad, so they went to the cards, and I think the cards were like 78, 74, something like that, three, four points margin, which you would expect for a fight in, in, you know, in Thailand as well, so... Yeah, so Mr. TBE continues with that 53 and 0 run, you know. Um, for sure, I don't think you saw this fight, no? No, 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 no. I missed it. Unfortunately, okay. I missed it. So, okay. I, I, yeah, I I'll, 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 if I was you, I'd rather watch that than Jack Catrell. Yeah, that's, that's the better fight to watch. <laughs> um, on the zone card, we had. Um, well, the only fight I was interested in that card, two fights. We had Daniel Yelusinov up against uh, Terence Crawford's most decorated opponent. The exactly. Only, the only unified champion on his, on his resume, the mighty Julius uh, Mandingo. Um, and uh, Julius... It would have been better if he got out his 10-inch cock and used it as a truncheon because he's boxing. <laughs> his, his gloves <laughs> didn't do absolutely anything. Up against a, a Kazakh southpaw who was 66 and 11 in the Olympics, but he you know, beat Shakram Giersam in the final of the Rio Olympics. Pretty controversial decision, I felt. But, um, you know... Eddie Hearn was getting a little bit disillusioned with 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 Danny R not not translating the form he showed in the amateurs into the professional ranks, and uh, he wanted to make uh, so there was a little bit of acrimonious uh, tension between the two fighters. But I guess it was Eddie ways Eddie Hearn's way of spurring Yulusinov to start sitting down on his punches rather than boxing. You know, it is entertainment at the end of the day. So. And and recently we've seen Danny R, you know, stepping up, and um, yeah, in Dongo, who's he's not had a lot of rounds since winning the the the, the unified championship, but even then he still didn't have a lot of rounds. He only went what one round in in Russia up against Edward Troynovsky. Troynovsky came out like a zombie, had no idea how to fight a southpaw, and just ran into an overhand left hand. <laughs> shocked the Russians. Uh, that was a cherry pick gone wrong. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and then credited Indongo, he didn't have any, didn't have any 
homecoming fights. He went straight to Scotland and fought Ricky Burns and, you know, outboxed Ricky Burns for 12 rounds. And that clearly emphasized just how bad, how completely washed up Ricky Burns was. If somebody as unbelievably terrible as Julius Ndongo can outbox you for, excuse me, 12 rounds in your own backyard and beat you for the WBA 140-pound championship. Don't think Ricky even won a single round in the fight. So Ndongo from there went straight to um, Nebraska to fight, you know, Crawford. Um, so as I mentioned before, he did all of the donkey work, picked up all of the titles on the road, went back to back to back, you know, limited fighter but why not try man roll the dice you never know you might get a you might get a troy nofsky overhand right and knock crawford out <laughs> you know i prayed that was going to happen but it it never happened so and ever since you know that that was a third round knockout then regis progre stopped him in the second round knocked him out and then he had one fight in between and then this fight so in three years in dongo he's just not had no ring time whatsoever and you can clearly see in this fight that his punch resistance was apps was worse than kel brooks um very sad sight i know being laid out by you off who um if if you loosen off you know hit a, a silent night pillow he would break his wrist um it's got no power you know but maybe he's you know it's got good technique, but good boxing ability. But um, yeah, that was a that was a sad sight. And you know, my God, does that what does that say about Terence Crawford's resume, official? Exactly. I mean, uh, pound for pound, that, man, pound for pound, number absolutely, one. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Terence is the mo uh, Terence's most decorated victory. Uh, didn't have many rounds, didn't get many rounds in these last couple of years because uh, he was getting knocked out every time in, in the first two or three rounds. And it continued to happen. Yeah, I mean, uh, look, Yellow's enough. He's not, <laughs> he's nowhere near being a big puncher, but yeah, he was, he was using his, his sharpness, his timing well. And I'm I'm happy to, to see him back because I enjoy watching Yelusino because I think he's very talented, but I was just so disappointed with uh, with the fact that um, not only he um, and, and I'm not sure if I'm gonna blame uh, Eddie Hearn for that or or Yelusinov. Um I, it always sucks when when you see a very talented kid when uh, when when he turns pro very late in uh, in mid late twenties. So he's already twenty nine years old. Uh, the, the previous year or two before um, all this madness going on, he was having five six fights per year, and uh, I was cool with that. And uh, but I was also hoping to, to see him step up in competition, being uh, still because of his age. And I like watching him, and I, I just 
can't wait to see him uh, against uh, some opponent who who can take uh, punches better and uh, can is more durable, you know, and on a higher level. Because in Dongo, clearly, I never <laughs> rated him. Uh, he's he's terrible in my opinion. No no disrespect to him, but it's just it's just uh, the reality at least at the highest level. And Yelusinov, yeah, he has some some uh, flaws. I'm not saying he's uh, he's amazing once in a generation type of talent, but I do enjoy watching him. Um, speaking of him, he does remind me. He always reminded me of of a south a southpaw and more aggressive version of Floyd Mayweather, and. Uh, I, 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 I really do appreciate his skills, but I was always wondering about um, about one thing because watching his amateur fights, and I, I was not really watching many of his uh, amateur fights, but a couple of them, uh, so about 10 maybe, and I saw him struggling against uh, high work rate pressure fighters, you yes. know. Who are working at short range and are pressure fighters? He really does suffer, you know, fighting um, against them. Even in a World Boxing Super Series, there was one fight uh, of that type that he had against someone. Cannot remember who the guy was. Um, doesn't really important, but the the point is that he was. Uh, that was another of his. Uh, fights that I've seen before him turning a pro and seeing that he struggles against the pressure. Uh, and uh, I've seen him getting hurt by, by those pressure fighters a couple of times, I think. So to me personally, his chin is still questionable. Now, maybe he pros me wrong in the future. I hope so. Um, because once again, I really enjoy his talent, you know. But I'm really wondering how good his chain is. And maybe, in fact, the, the reason uh, Eddie kept him fighting, uh, fighting, let's say, nobodies for, uh, and uh, didn't, didn't let him step up, maybe could be his chain, but maybe not. I'm, I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I'm just saying it may be a possibility. And uh, I, I saw him... Uh, Taking taking the body shots rather not well, you know, rather bad. So, do you think it may? Do you think it it might be? Uh, because he's he's a very big, sort of one hundred and forty pound. It's around sort of five, five feet ten, maybe even five yeah. eleven. So, there could be could be a case that he's maybe a bit weight drawn, given that he's twenty eight as well. You know, five eleven fighting at one hundred and forty. I'm not sure what he's rehydrating to, but maybe that maybe he is a little bit weight drawn, and therefore the punch resistance is not as 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 depth as it could be if he was fully, you know, rehydrated fighting at say 147 or even 154. But you're gonna have to you're gonna need punching power at those sort of weight categories, but. You're right. I mean, I've seen some really great stuff from him. One of these fights I saw, he threw a straight lead left hand, you know, confused his opponent, 
feinted with the jab through the straight left hand. Then he came with the same hand. He came out with the hook, left hook. So le overhand oh. left, straight left. Beautiful it was. Then hook. And then as it buzzed him up, penetrated the guard, then he came with an uppercut just straight after that. So with his power hand, his, his backhand, firing those punches and that sort of sequence, it was like, wow, man. It was like very sort of offbeat. But he fired it with like good speed as well. Very good timing. Um, yeah, yeah. There, there, there is a you know, I mean, a lot of natural talent. But in the in you know the World Series of Boxing, I don't think he was defeated in that. You think he had, had only three or four fights, but there was uh, uh, one fighter from Uzbekistan as well. He fought he fought Gearsoff in the final, but he fought another. Um, but he was lucky in in in, in that sort of shorter period that he was able to use his size and and he was moving a lot laterally and just sort of pot shotting using you know his his reach as well so you can get away with against pressure fighters for you know three four five six rounds but 12 round fight and you know they're going to be attacking his body as well he's got that you know very long sort of you know torso area as well um so He's going to have to step up with his punches. He's going to have to win their respect very early. And he's starting to do that now. He's showing some nastiness and that, um, which is good. Um, but I'm not sure what Eddie Hearn is going to do. Hundred and yeah, I don't know. Is he, is he? Was this fight yesterday at 140? Ndongo is 140, no? Was that fine? Uh, That's why I thought, I thought he was 147 and he went back down to 100. I don't know what. But Indongo is, Indongo is not 147. So I thought the fight yesterday was at 140. But I, I didn't see the weight, the weigh-in or whatever else. So it was between 140 and 147. I think his um, title opportunities are going to be difficult at 147, whereas we know all of the belts are with the PBC, except I'll buy Terence Crawford. Um, so how he's going to get a man that you birth moving himself up? That that's the juxtaposition at 147. It's just problems, even for somebody who's out of that 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 sort of circle in in, in Crawford. So how the hell is you people like you loose enough and that going to get title shots? It's going to be crazy. Um, it's going to be a difficult one for Eddie. Maybe 140 pounds might be. A little bit better, but at the moment we're going to get an undisputed. So maybe when once the the, the belts go to one fighter and then they get splintered off with maybe a Josh Taylor or a Ramirez, you'd think in it official after they become undisputed, either one of them or even the champion or both of them move up to 147 straight after. You know, Josh Taylor's already indicated that he's having weight problems, so he, he'll yeah. probably do that. So. It's likely that anybody who stays around at 140, that you know the belts are going to get splintered off. So there could be a mini little tournaments for all of the vacant belts. But there's a hell of a lot of talent and and sharks out there. You know, got people like Subriel Matias and all of those cats. You know, waiting for their title shots. So uh, I don't know if you loose enough wants to fight him, but uh, <laughs> you could have some interesting matchups. Uh, if I listen to who? Uh, if you if you got like, you know, like a Subriel Matthias and uh, you loosen off, 
Uh, you, oh. You've got to, there you go. So many great fighters at 140 coming up and others who are waiting for their title shot as well. Um, so maybe, maybe it would be better if you loosen off remained at 140 in terms of maybe trying to trying to get a roadmap, a pathway to some sort of a mandatory or a championship or maybe even a vacant belt in the future. That might be his best shot, but we'll see. But correction, um, but just uh, just a, ma a minor correction. Uh, this fight was at one forty-seven, effectively. So, okay. so yeah, Yelusinov stayed at one forty-seven. Is just uh, in Dango who moved up. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And by the way, by the way, I was in fact I was surprised that um, the that sorry Josh Taylor is is still at one forty because yeah, I know yeah, very yeah. well that both him and the Regis Progre have been struggling to to make one forty. Even uh, if you remember, I'm not sure if uh, if you watched it, but on. Uh, on the world uh, series of, of boxing or whatever the name of, of the organization who made who makes the tournaments um they were doing some uh, promo videos and docu documentaries the, the same way they did it for before usik and uh, the, the finals between usik and gasiev so they did the same thing before um before the taylor progre fight and they were uh, following progre who was really really struggling to make the weight for the finals it was interesting so i was even surprised after after watching the documentary, that he was able to to find um, the second uh, I don't know how how do you say it, but I was I was surprised that Progre was able to turn it up in the in the late rounds of their fight in the finals, but yeah, that's that's everything I wanted to say. All right. Um... I mean, for me, the only significant fight on the card was uh, watching uh, Margot Majidov, um, who's turned over turned over professionally very recently after a very deep, protracted amateur career, originally from sort of Dagestan, uh, Chechnya, Dagestan, but um, relocated to Azerbaijan, and he stayed, you know, in the amateur ranks for quite a long time and very well decorated you know won the world amateur championships three times and medaled in the olympics as well won a bronze um very decent fighter very simplified style um but he's turned professional what is he 34 35 something now so they're gonna have to definitely fast track him um He's, he's pretty ready right now. He's mentioned that he doesn't really need a head of a lot of seasoning. But it's going to be difficult once. <laughs> All of these belts are in, in holding patterns at the moment. It's pretty crazy what's happening in boxing. We're getting to a stage where these so much young talent is being stifled in all of these mandatory positions as well. It's just too many super fights being made. Um the circular flow of income is just going between the big fighters at the top of the ranks. It's just 
it's just economic genocide which is going on you know it's disgusting sure um but uh you know margot majidov fought a pulled a reeking cat who he was undefeated but he was very heavy at around sort of 280 290 pounds bizarrely for sort of and uh as somebody with not that many fights under his ranks he had a number of years out of the sport for an unknown reason so coming back after you know a long sort of um absence to fight uh, somebody as dangerous as that may not be reflected in what is accrued in the professional ranks but if you'd watched his amateur game you look at his psychology his mentality and his boxing skill um afford coming to the pressure fighter but he doesn't smother his punches at all uh very good in, in in maintaining distance and range and landing good jab and good power punches and he knows how to penetrate come around the guard with a lot of these fighters he's seen all of the shelling up the peekaboo styles or whatever else so you'll tap you leave a penetrate with the right hand tap bait come around the guard prize open and uh yeah he did that against you know the cuban and pretty much knocked this guy out on his feet um the cuban was just depleted by you know even after the first round and that's what happens you know when you're 290 pounds uh, sorry the puerto rican indicated that boxing was his avenue to actually losing weight so it makes you wonder what the hell were you weighing before you started <laughs> yeah you know that was I was like what the fuck is that all about man my god um and with poor conditioning and uh, no acclimation no 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 fights of any significance we know that your energy tanks is just going to be depleted by you know one of these power punches and you know these these russian muslims who are coming from dagestan and they they these people do not fuck around man they are some of the the tough and hot if you if you understand what is going on in chechnya and what these people are going through with the, with the russian federation all the time and uh you look at the sheer number of these fighters that are that are going into not only boxing but mixed martial arts etc and the level of success they've accrued with you know magdamedov and in the ufc being you know the, the greatest of all time and you're seeing um chechenian fighters we've seen it before in the heavyweight pranks we're seeing it now with Artur Baterbiev. We're seeing a hell of a lot of fighters all over the place. Uh, yeah, these are these are the, you don't fuck around with these cats. And um, yeah, the Puerto Rican the, the, the first power punches and the body shots just zapped his energy. Then he was just a sitting target. Um, yeah, and he got. He got hurt pretty badly and uh, you could just see that he didn't know where he was it was just air it was just oxygen depletion um so they i think they did the wise thing and not not giving him fluids too quickly you know it was all about trying to increase his air circulation you know they should have had an oxygen mask and a tank they're ready to try and sort of replenish his supply because that's what he needed and you don't want to move him until he's he has sufficient air that goes to the rest of his muscles that can kind of repair the damage that is done by the punches 
Um, yeah, and this is the problem with matchmaking as well, official, you know, as as boxing fans, you know, we're always worried about the health of some of these veterans or fighters that we've got a, an affiliation with. Oh, I don't want to see Manny Pacquiao back in the ring. He's 41. I don't want to see him hurt and all that bullshit. You know, we worry about Mike Tyson and Roy Jones or, you know, a lot of these veterans. We we're all worried about their health. But what what about what about these these prospects who are getting absolutely murked? All these journeymen that are getting murked by all these prospects who we're all picking for great things in the future. No one's worried about their health. Do we ever see emails coming out before and saying, I don't want to see this Puerto Rican cat in the ring with Majidov because he's going to get a nightmare. <laughs> there is, there is no, no such sympathy for, you know, these cats that are getting knocked out, blistered, annihilated in the first, second round. Yet it's all about gratification for their highlight reels and whatever else that are promoted on ESPN and the zone and whatever else. But yeah, man, I don't want to see ridiculous matchmaking like this, man. That 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 served Majidov no purpose whatsoever. You know, somebody like that. Just because he had a an undefeated record official, you know, that is just a subliminal, a subliminal way of just hypnotizing boxing fans to thinking, yeah, you know, two undefeated. Somebody's all has got to go and the rest of that fucking yeah. madness, you know. You know, what what the hell does that mean? You know? Somebody's life is gonna go if you carry on with that bullshit. Not somebody's own. Um, yes, yes, that's true. Oh, look, I haven't seen this fight, but I wanted to watch it, and I'll watch it soon because I really wanted uh, to see Majidov. I haven't seen him yet, but I I heard uh, many good things about him. Um, well, especially from uh, Shep, who's in the comments, and also by uh, from Duck. And big up to Duck. I don't know if he's listening to us right now, but big up to him as well. And yeah, I wanted to to see it, but an excellent point, corruption, because I was I was thinking about it as well. And I know that oh, a couple of months ago um, there was I forgot his name, but uh, an ex fighter who I think he was a bantamweight or I don't know, not sure who was on BDA, and he said something along the lines that when he was developing and for, uh, when he was a prospect, before going into into title fights, uh, when he was um, fighting the journeymen's, uh, journeyman, he he didn't want it to knock them out because uh, he knew... Now, of course, uh, it depends uh, if he's telling the truth or if he's bullshitting. But if that's true, and I have no reason to 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 believe it, to believe otherwise, that's that's something that uh, that I respect because he was saying that he 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 doesn't need to 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 knock those journeymen out uh, because uh, they're just journeymen, you know. So. Um, if they're getting knocked out, they have more, um, sorry, less chances to fight soon again and uh, well, win their money because they're living from that. Mm. And especially it, it, 
it just goes along the lines. Maybe I'm not making uh, perfect sense, but it goes uh, along the lines of what you're saying. Everybody's worrying about Becky or um, Tyson getting hurt, but no one is thinking about those uh, fighters who, you know, who are getting bashed by the prospects. Yeah, they're, they're, they're getting they're getting pulverized. You know. This guy is, you know, as we mentioned, three times world amateur boxing champion, Olympic medalist. You know, it's beaten all sorts of fighters, even the current unified heavyweight champion, Anthony Joshua. So you've got him. Doesn't do anything to them and what happens to their opponents, man. You're going to end up killing these cats in the ring. You know, these guys can punch. Um, so it, 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 say it serves nobody any... There's no... There's no advantages. No doubt that the Puerto Rican cat needed the money because I'm sure he's not getting a lot of fights and he's been out of the ring as well. So they're prepared to take this risk for money. But it, I don't know whether it's a wise decision. You know, you, you've got no chance. You're just going to get your, your head blown off, man. You know, well, it's just to me is a completely pointless exercise. Uh, Majidov is the only thing he's getting is a, is a payday and clearing out a little bit of rust, but is his skills being sharpened at all? No. He knew he was going to win that. I think it was obvious, you know, you're not going to get absolutely any 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 odds on on, on it being a 50-50 competitive fight. So he, he doesn't need this, man. You know, he needs... Guys like him can fight Filip Hergovich right now. You know... He needs to be fighting these Zili Zangs and he needs a Michael Hunter right now. People like that don't need to fuck around, you know. That, that That's that's the level. But whether those fighters want to take an unknown, dangerous fighter that is, that's maybe just too high risk and no return, it's it's a combination of economics and, and progressing their career and, and, and trying to minimize the amount of risk you can. It's not about a fight now we've got seven or eight heavyweights in match room we've got Hergrovich, we've got alan babbage who's a security guard or whatever these fighters are man white chocolates and you know these eddie's got a whole bunch of heavyweights and you can mix and match all of them but no one really wants to fight one another you've got philip herbert Hergovich obviously complaining that no one's prepared to sign a contract to fight him so and i can understand that you know definitely uh, but you really think uh, Majidov is going to reject that fight? I don't think he will. Uh, I think it probably be both of their biggest paydays as well. So that that'll be a great fight for me. Not sure what L Dog's thoughts are on that fight, but um, yeah, I think Eddie Hearn can get a little bit creative in that sense. But he's, he's got, you got to push this guy better, man. Uh, I'm sure Philippa take that fight as well. He's just looking for competition as well. He's getting a bit pissed off. So um, um, we'll see what happens. I just hope it's the case that Eddie doesn't have too many heavyweights and he's just focusing on, on one of them and he's not doing a good enough job with the others because looking at some of the paydays that Philip and that are getting as well, they're getting absolutely subsistent wages as well, you know, really bad paydays as well. So... Um, just the case of top heavy and the rest of the fighters or the fringe fighters are just getting economically sucked out of the equation. So 
um, yeah, um, we'll see. But yeah, definitely official. Keep an eye out on Majidov. Go back and watch some of his amateur fights as well. You know, give you a good a good sort of background on him. Um, and I think the top of the bill was. Uh, a, fight, a fight that I pretty much had no interest in whatsoever. You know, Daniel Jacobs and Gabe Rosado um, fighting at 168 pounds. Um, you know, we went into it with Danny Jacobs and what has happened to this guy, the opportunity cost that presented themselves to him in which he had a trade-off between money being comfortable and legacy, being a warrior and competition. And clearly he's gone down the path of trying to maximize his earnings from the ring and minimize, you know, his risk. And we've seen uh, the level of performances that he's put in the ring it's it's just progressively going down and down and down and I mean as I said I, I I my own theory that I had and it's not something I necessarily subscribe to but it is a theory that maybe what precipitated all of this was was Jacob's recovering from cancer and we know what it can do and maybe it just changed his whole mental psychology in the sense that he's thought that he's been given another another opportunity to live. And now he's the miracle man. You know, he's got a young child. Uh, I don't think he was married back then. Um, so maybe he wants to make sure that he's he's financially comfortable and so is his family. And it is your natural talent that can only get you, take you to a certain distance. And, and that's what he has relied on. And he has natural talent because he was a very good amateur. So the, the, the talent is there. But as all trainers re-emphasize, talent not only gets you so far, after that it's all about hard work. And and Jacob's just, th there's no capacity from hard work from him from what I can see. He's always complaining. He's complaining about weight, complained about remaining at 160 pounds. His chin was very, very suspect as well. And that's one of the reasons why in the Golovkin fight, he chose to exercise not fighting for the IBF because he was not willing to comply with their their second day 10 pound threshold uh, rehydration uh, his strategy was to um, not be constrained in his rehydration and to come in as big as heavy as he could because he was afraid of Golovkin's power there, there is no doubt about that whatsoever so what is the better way of mitigating, you know, a ferocious punch, power punch's power? And, and, and the only way you can is either you box and move or you try and avoid it. But in combination with that, you come in as heavy as you can so you can try and absorb the punches as, as best as you can, especially when you've been knocked out before and you've been dropped by a fighter in the Latin sake who's got no punch power whatsoever. So, yeah... Maybe that chin as well was something that, you know, I know Gonzalo was entertaining that notion. I also has some validity as well. Instead of 
in combination to what I was saying about maybe, you know, Jacob's psychology has changed with him recovering from cancer. And that's factored into the level of performance is just sort of going downhill. Official, what are you, what, what are your thoughts on that? What, what is, what do you think is this whole precipitating factor in, in Daniel Jacobs just flattering to deceive, not getting, not winning the big, big championship fights and starting to look really bad up against fighters like Rosado, who have got 12 losses, washed up, a lot smaller than him. He has all of the, the advantages in height, size, skill, etc., but looking absolutely shit. Uh, yeah, look, so it's it's very he's a very interesting case because um I'm not sure, yeah. Uh, the, the the level at which he's performing right now is uh, levels below from what we 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 are, we are we were used to seeing him. Now uh, I've been wondering about it myself. Is it because he's shot or uh, just the, the lack the lack of the work ethics? Because I, I really used to, to enjoy watching him uh, fight. I think he uh, he has some real talent, but I'm I'm asking that question myself. Is it because um, of the lack of effort from his part, for his part, or uh, is is it just him being shot? Uh, because right before this fight, people were saying, and uh, yes, they were indeed right, they were saying that uh, Jacobs should have uh, an easy, stay busy fight with uh, with Rosario. Uh, but they forgot that, uh, they, they just forgot how terrible he was looking in, in his very previous fight against none other than Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., who, <laughs> who was always overrated and uh, never, never was really good. And plus, on top of that, even uh, Chavez Jr. himself uh, was shot. <laughs> not even, uh, you know, uh, not, not the same uh, same uh, bum Travis Jr. that uh, we used to get, uh, used to see uh, a couple of years ago. So it's awful, isn't it? Sure. You know, if, you, if you're if you're trying to build your legacy, you move up to 168 pounds, and the first fight, the first fighter you you take on is is Julio Cesar Chavez. I mean, what does that say about your <coughs> excuse me aspirations? Yeah, your your ambitions, whatever. It's clearly, you know, Chavez at that stage. You know, I mean, what what sort of equity did he have with boxing fans, even Mexicans? You know, no one, no one, you know, I mean, gave a fuck about this guy, man. He never showed. You know, it's been an embarrassment to the family name. Um, <laughs> A financial mercenary, you know, just just no dedication in and out of the ring, etc. And and that's who you take on Jacobs when you've been complaining about being wage drawn at 160 pounds for all those years, and then you fight somebody like that, and then Rosado straight after man, that is just diabolical. He's made a, a tremendous amount of money. What he was, what I think it was one of Eddie Hearn's first signings, no, on the zone, no doubt about it. I think so. Yeah, I think yeah. you're right. <coughs> Excuse me. And prior to that, you know, he had a lucrative contract with HBO as well. 
I think mm-hmm. he was the he was the first Al Heyman fighter that that was on an Eddie Hearn books as well because he I think he was still being advised by Al when he was actually signed. Um, certainly with HBO and I think certainly with Eddie Hearn as well he was still being advised by Al. So uh, yes, so maybe, that's correct. Yeah. So clearly those Al Heyman characteristics have, have factored into his his psychology, his demeanor, etc. And you know, Canelo, that Canelo Alvarez fight was bizarre because Canelo was horrible in that fight. Canelo was atrocious in that fight. And Jacobs had all of the opportunity in that fight to do something and he didn't do absolutely anything against, you know, significantly I, I, under par Canelo. And that said it all to me. I think that um, that Canelo fight was, was the case of both fighters being, you know, uh, in fighting at in first speed. You know, I, I, I don't know how to, to express myself, but uh, yeah. neither of them really trying hard to win. You know, they, they, they were both looking lethargic. It was still both fighters. Uh, both fighters on a very high level um, but but neither of them trying to win it was it was like well a good term for it would be a sparring match you know so yeah so so, so there is consistency even that fight yeah that's that's another example of um, well we are making a good case of um, it's what I'm trying to say is just a good proof of what we are saying. Just fight um, the way uh, Danny Jacobs has been looking from fight to fight to fight since fighting Golovkin. I cannot remember what was his next fight. Maybe the Rivanchenko, and there he he performed very well. I was uh, in fact impressed with him. Uh, but right after those two fights, he was you know he was just half-assing in the ring. I don't know. It's yeah, yeah. He's clearly one of the guys who's who was using his size to his advantage, but. Beside that, he he still had uh, some natural abilities, and not not only speed and power, but also showcasing some skills like those he showed against Derevianchenko. I think that that performance from him was very good and underrated. Uh, but from from there on, it was uh, downhill, and and especially you know fighting Canelo. Um, who who has a low work rate and uh, hasn't been looking great neither man i mean uh, he's uh, he he's he's i'm see- seeing ma- many similarities with canelo in that regard not really trying to trying as hard now he's yeah. performing still still performing at uh, at a higher level than uh, danny jacobs there's no doubt uh, doubt about it. And he's still a, a, a top-level fighter, you know, uh, able to do box at the highest level. But still, I'm seeing, you know, him not, uh, n- not sense, not seeing any sense of urgency in the way he's fighting. And a very 
very fortunate man as well as we mentioned he even back in the day when he was talking about all of this battle of battle of brooklyn with peter quillen um but no one in brooklyn gave a fuck about eva fighter you know i mean they couldn't even sell that half half out so he's never really had any sort of support from you know boxing fans as well but still that didn't stop him in his and as don king says you know in life or in boxing you don't get what you deserve you get what you can negotiate and maybe his his negotiation skills have been a lot better than his boxing skills because somehow he's always been able to get those sort of lucrative contracts and decent paydays and and it's not been reciprocated in his performances as well so he's i've always i've always said daniel jacobs is garbage i've said that for like over like seven years uh since um yeah he's he's never really impressed me the miracle man um and with canelo you were mentioning before official you know that that fight was all about design trying to recoup and trying to get a, a massive increase in subscriptions which they were massively suffering from so they just hyped and hyped that fight didn't sell out anything it was it was a it was poor in terms of the amount of money that they recouped and if you look at canelo alvarez as well official you know you're if you're giving him an incentivized guaranteed purse then he's he's really not even what risk does he have to take he's going to fight in cruise control as well why does he have to risk it knowing that his money is not correlated on any sort of gate receipts or pay-per-view what would it secrete etc so you're, you're going to get these lackluster performances and that's what happens with the stupidity in their in their strategy of trying to accrue these talents you know with these with these absolutely ridiculous contracts you know the short sightedness of the zone and I, I talked about it straight away when i did my when i did a video on the zone i said that it's going to be a very very difficult market to penetrate especially with an application that people can't even pronounce the name they don't know whether it's dazen or dazon if the name is not right then how on earth are people going to be in tune with the app um it, and you don't understand us boxing you you know that these powerhouse networks that have that have been in that have the monopoly on sports that can control the bigger sports and then then they can put on niche sports like boxing on the same card so then they can transfer or migrate their audiences from the biggest sports whether it's the national football league or the, or the nba or the national hockey league or baseball etc so it's about the trickle down effects and that's how these big networks were able to uh you know get boxing on these cards and and, and get a reasonable enough crowd anyway because had had they not had these sports then you would i think you would have had much worse uh, numbers in in terms of boxing viewership etc so it's it's only because of the long relationship that these guys have had with these networks so how enough is a new network going to penetrate that market and and an application as well so it's not like a you know a, a cable or a tele or a normal sort of subscription service as well so and plus you know the amount of fraudulent streaming that is going on now you can just go on facebook or instagram or any of these chat mechanisms which have set up and just ask somebody for a link 
and you know pretty much everybody gets a link as well so the amount of copyright infringement which is taking place and that is massively constraining the revenue of a lot of these um uh, of a lot of the, the the carriers of these fights as well so the zone is not gonna as much as and as hard as they endeavor official i don't think they're going to penetrate the u.s market I, I just cannot see it um that sort of technology doesn't work in 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 the way boxing fans are currently in tune with in the states so it's to, to force some sort of a revolutionary change and you go in there with the strategy that i'm taking the he, very poor choice of words uh he calls those demarcations straight away underestimated they didn't understand the u.s market completely he affiliated himself with surprising with john skipper who led espn before but done an atrociously bad job so um yes. so now these fighters are just just benefiting on on the contracts that they were able to negotiate with the zone when you know the, the gravy train was rolling and they were trying to penetrate the u.s and um Daniel Jacobs is not that that's not going to be any any boost to your revenue stream at all he's he's a name um no doubt Jacobs is now going to be looking for a title fight against a Billy Joe or somebody like that as well which would you be interested in that fight official for me I've got no fucking no. interest whatsoever in either of them. Not at all. neither of them yeah 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 so Billy Joe or Jacobs man they're they're yeah, you know, Rosado, but, a bit of respect to him. You know, he had had a bit of ability. A tough guy, he's had some bad decisions. Comes in the ring to fight as well, but uh, you know, a tremendous amount of scar tissue as well. He's not going. Jacob should have disposed of him. You know, everybody was predicting a knockout. It should have been a knockout. I wasn't predicting the knockout. I had no interest in the fight. Uh, gave no views, etc. Previously, um, didn't even watch the fight. I just. We shared the. I mean, I, I just looked up the result when I heard it was a split decision. You know, I just couldn't stop pissing in my pants. You know, um, for me, if this, if if Jacobs is getting a split decision, that means Rosado won the fight. But I haven't seen it. I can't confirm it. I don't know if anybody in their chat can shed some light on that. Did did Rosado get screwed out? Uh, I yeah, would nice surprise me. I've seen it neither. Yeah, so it would be nice to know, Shep or anybody else in the chat, if if you saw the fight, let us know what uh, what were your thoughts. But yeah, corruption about uh, about uh, the zone mo model. Mm -hmm. That's true. Because look, uh, when you have, you can give uh, that type of contract, uh, give that amount of money to 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 a, let's say NBA player knowing that he he has to have uh, 82 uh, games in the regular season plus possibly the playoffs and so you're sure he he's going to be there and plus it's not the same type of sport while a boxer like canelo look you already gave him that money in the contract so so what what <coughs> gonna do is uh, he's just gonna make sure in every fight that he's able to you know to to to, to stay uh, to to keep uh, his 
body cells intact yeah to 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 and stay alive to to collect the paycheck yeah yeah he, he wasn't there was no way alvarez was was looking for another careerish a career shortening third fight even with a completely washed up old physically deteriorated only may now maybe even money more more money orientated golovkin as well but yeah golovkin once once his pound in once his pound of flesh and can you blame him after the way he's been fucked over um right away from 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 sort of germany as well um um but the zone is still trying to entertain that fight as well i know golovkin is getting back in the ring very soon fighting his ibf mandatory so that that would be good to see what sort of what's left of golovkin um and alvarez has maybe indicated that he might still be interested in that third fight but could be could be at a hundred i can't see it being it happening at middleweight it may be at 168 pounds if canelo is clearly intimated that this is the weight category that he's trying to base his career in so therefore he's going to expect golovkin to come up in weight uh so that'll be a new dynamic on the fight um yeah and uh, if you remember corruption uh when uh, when when the zone just started and uh, the talks and the rumors about them having the third fight began after after um triple g fighting uh, roles etc uh i remember back then uh, triple g was uh, being uh adamant uh, about having that third fight at 160 and uh, Canelo wanted it to happen at 168. Now I'm sure um, being that Canelo is a clear A-side that, and if Triple G really wants that money, he will ac uh, accept fighting him at even at uh, 168. Uh, or I'm not so sure about it because he was uh, when they both signed to the zone. He was very adamant about uh, fighting Canelo only at 160. So that that would be interesting to see as well how how is how it is going to play out. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know the appetite for a third fight between the two. I'm not sure. You know, Canelo's. We've we've already broken down Canelo's career on on the coup d'état of boxing. You know, pretty chronologically, we've broken down. We've exposed all of the the A side shit that he's managed to pull in fight after fight after fight, and fortunate performances, lucky performances. Uh his ability to be impervious to drug testing and um just his overall dictatorship of the sport that's the ostentatious yeah. of the man that is now and to me uh he's an overrated hype job i think tyson fury is also an overrated hype job all of these guys you know I, you've got to break down their careers properly and i know we were having a bit of a discussion on on the fury one but um, we'll do the Fury one next time, and we'll we'll go down his entire career, and we'll expose all of the, the, the gifts and the 
the falsified fights and the drug testing and the, 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 the sheer shambolic thing what the British Boxing Board of Control and UCAD did with him, which is unprecedented. And for all of the people thinking that he's some sort of a defensive master and whatever, we'll show you all of the, the vulnerabilities, the knockdowns he's had, been protected by referees with his eyes busted up. And man, that, that, that Tyson Fury is the equivalent of Canelo in the heavyweight ranks, put it that way. Um, but nice. we'll do that in the, in, in the future. Um, official, I'm not sure if there's any other post-fight reviews to cover. I didn't see anything else. Um, no, not really. There was nothing else happening, I don't think so. Um, At least not, not important enough for me to remember. <laughs> yeah. I think in terms of boxing news, if there's, a, I think... I think Joshua Franco at the tender age of 24 is going to be one of these rare fighters who's going to have soon to have two trilogies at such a tender age, which is pretty crazy. It's almost like one of those throwback fighters that we talk about in the past. Yes. They had it with Negrete and now with... So official, as we were talking about, they're going to force this guy... They're going to give him a bit of a payday over in Australia to fight on Tiafimo and the Greek fisherman who Tiafima Lopez is fighting, you know. Um, oh, so that fight is about to, to, to really be done. Yeah, I think to it's going to be in down. I, I, I could be wrong, you know. As I said, the coup d'etat of boxing is not about boxing news and all that bullshit. Yeah, yeah. But I, I just heard it, it may be in Australia. It might be a little bit more lucrative. I think the lockdown measures over there may be more conducive to getting a, big, a larger gate receipt in Australia. Every, every, everything is pretty much pay-per-view over there as well. So, so Tiafimo, you know, the most fortunate man in boxing, you know, is going to be fighting against George Camboso, who couldn't even put a dent into a 126-pound Lee Selby. Um, so that's a pretty garbage fight, I think, personally. Um Andrew Maloney and uh, Joshua Franco, that's the only interest for me on that card. And <laughs> what's going to happen now, official? <laughs> they tried to screw Franco first fight, but he got the title. Then, then basically the sheer incompetence of people like Robert Bird and all of them and, and top rank trying to exercise their power and influence and trying to you know, influence the decision-making process with an unprecedented replay and the time but it was just unbelievable stupidity how they couldn't make the correct decision in which Franco would have lost the belt and he would have gone to Maloney so now inevitably they're having a third match in Australia um, <laughs> what the hell is going to happen in the third fight but that's an, for me that's yeah. a really intriguing fight for for me as well. In fact, uh, I feel the way I feel about them too is like uh, the second fight never happened. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because it, uh, the, the fight really didn't didn't even have uh, a chance to to really start. You know, <laughs> as early as the second round, it already got uh, got stopped. So yeah, yeah. but but. Uh, we all are still interested in uh, in that, especially since uh, well, the first fight was uh, very good in my opinion. I enjoyed it, and uh, it's well, you know what, it, it's going to be interesting because at least uh, 
for the second fight, um, Joshua Franco was able to to see what um, what uh, Maloney's game plan was for yes. the rematch. So maybe maybe before that rematch, uh, he wasn't aware of it, but he saw. He saw him boxing from the outside in the rematch until that very early uh, unfortunate stoppage. But uh, yeah, so I would say this time for the third fight, he he would be prepared for for that, or he'll he'll try to at least he'll try to prepare, sorry, prepare himself for uh, even for Milani boxing from the outside and going in and out. So it's gonna be interesting. And I, I mean, from from my perspective, I, I can say with full confidence that if Franco had did not sustain that eye damage, all of the early sort of insurrection from Maloney, all of his you know sharp and sharp work, it it wasn't going to trouble Joshua Franco. He would have just slowly stepped up in gear, you know, done his reconnaissance, and then he would have started his his work. And I think Franco would have broken him down. As per the first fighter as well, official. I don't know what your perspective are. Is just that that's a fighter who, as we mentioned, he's he's all about harder punches, precision. He doesn't. If there's a trade-off between accuracy and timing rather than activity, what Maloney was exemplifying, Maloney, uh, Franco is the latter. He's all about breaking him down slowly and not wasting punches. So you, I think after round three or what after realizing Maloney had come out quick, maybe won the early rounds, is looking, you know, just to accrue points, you know, get those rounds under the banks, etc. Then, then, because M Maloney was more active throwing punches, there would have been countering opportunities, and Franco has a beautiful counter left hand. And I think we would have seen that come into play uh, in, in, in the sort of middle rounds of the fight. So that that's what's going to make it in interesting you're, you're spot on official. If we see a more aggressive Maloney, Franco is he's gonna have countering opportunities. He's gonna love that. But he's gonna have to start a little bit faster as well. We're not sure. The eye should heal up. That shouldn't be that shouldn't be a factor in the fight. There's no there's, there was no there was no scar scar damage or, or surgical sort of repair of any sort of flesh damage, etc. on the outside. It was just cornea sort of pupil inner eye damage so that, that that'll heal up over a significant period but um yes yeah that that's a fight very very much looking forward to and uh franco is gonna have to knock him out again because he ain't getting the decision in australia <laughs> but but uh, the corruption that's something yeah. that i wanted to ask you so yeah. listening to you uh, uh talking about how how the rematch would have went if uh, if the stoppage uh, uh hadn't occurred but it's questionable if uh franco would be able to to break him down to the point of stopping him so even uh even with with him uh, deserving, possibly deserving uh, the victory in the rematch, if that stoppage never happened, uh, I don't think he would he would get it, because yeah, I I mean the the official decision of the um, of Robert Bird, who was uh, watching the replays. Uh, 
went against the wishes of Barbarum, but it doesn't mean that Barbarum uh, didn't have uh, the judges, not the referee, but the judges um, in his pocket, you know. So, yeah, it's... Bob Arum definitely, Bob Arum definitely had the judges, but but this is the thing, official. It it may have been a conspiracy, a collusion between Bob Arum and and, and the Nevada State Athletic Commission, who were trying to exercise the um, the replays and, and trying to make a retrospective this you know correction. So either 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 you know Aram said that we can have a money spinning third fight in Australia after the controversy of this fight. Or, as I think it was, I think it was just a sheer case of incompetence from these people who were viewing the replay and they couldn't ascertain whether it was a punch or a headbutt that had exerted the damage, where it was clearly obvious to the boxing public and even ESPN. Who, But ESPN had no jurisdiction in, in showing them footage or trying to exercise a dialogue directly with the arbitrators of the fight they they got no just and that's why me and you official probably the only channel out there who said that we are glad that justice yes a correct adjudication from the video replay the physical correct decision wasn't applied because this whole fight was about screwing joshua franco in the first place the rematch was not warranted after the first fight because it was a dominating performance there was, there was no, but we, we mentioned that the scorecards were unbelievably close. If Franco had not induced a knockdown, he would have not won the belt. Maloney would have retained it, and that would have been a fucking travesty. Travesty, um, absolutely. I had yeah. that first fight. I scored it uh, nine rounds to three, or maybe eight rounds to four yeah. at at, uh, at worst for uh, for Joshua Franco. So yeah, like you said. Uh, that fight, the three match was all about fucking, uh, fucking him over. Yeah. Uh, so, so all these motherfuckers that were crying because they they'd only seen the rematch in isolation, but they don't know the history of what happened transpired between them in the first fight, and the potential fix that was in. Uh, but they're just judging it in isolation. That's the short sightedness of these fucking boxing fans and these channels, man. They all need to be gassed and removed from YouTube, man, because I'm just sick of their stupidity and, and short-sightedness, you know. Don't even speak about these weight categories because you ain't got a fucking clue, you know. Just try and stick to your stick to sticking your tongue up the Crawford's asses and all of that bullshit. <laughs> you know, don't need you over there, man. You've got so, absolutely no points of any validity. Sorry, corruption. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I just um I just missed the, the, the last 20 seconds, but uh, because uh, it dropped me out. But I'm very curious, what were you talking about? <laughs> yeah, I was just, you know, flaming up all of these, all of these, all of these cats on, on, on their boxing channels that are all talking, giving their sixpence in, giving their, their adjudication on what happened. But they, they, they got no idea whatsoever. It's just misrepresentation of the fight. And they don't understand or, or the separation in power. You've got, as, I, as I've spoken about it before, official, in, in, in the financial markets here, you've got Chinese walls between the front office and back office. 
in mm-hmm. boxing, you've got to have the same thing. You, you, you cannot have fighters who are signed not only with the network, not only with the promoter, but they've, they've got a direct relationship with the network. That's yeah. where it becomes too fucking dangerous. Then there's a the propensity of a conflict of interest becomes more and more acute because they, then they start trying to influence the decision, which top rank and, and, and certainly ESPN were, you know, they, and, and, and that for me is disgusting because I've seen that in the financial markets over the years. And I understand the legislation that they put into place. So no traders can go into back office and back office can't interact with the traders because you're just going to get corruption going. Traders before used to be able to receive gifts, you know, bottles of wine or whatever from their clients, etc. But under anti and ABC legislation, anti-bribery and corruption, they stopped all of that. And part of my job in the past was sort of monitoring all of that in the past. So those markets are still corrupt, and I can go on about how how it happens. But there are certain rules and demarcation that is put into place. But with boxing, there is none of that. There is no screening of the judges. There is no screening of the referees. You need to be analysing their income. You need to be analysing their bank. It's got nothing to do with privacy. It's to do with bribery and corruption. And there's no audits taking place. There's no oversight. Um, it is. It is all about the people that can that can lobby. That have to have to have the financial inventory. That have the financial power. That can just corrupt the sport they can buy whatever officials they want there's no monitoring oversight as i mentioned all of that it's just it is the wild wild west it's prize fighting the money's involved is it's astronomical because the money's coming in from overseas markets etc so as donald trump indicated man you know you know the united states is is the most corrupt economy on the planet and i've looked at corruption in the I did a, a project for a, for an insurance company a number of years ago. They wanted me to measure the corruption index of all of the countries on the planet. And I did uh, an outstanding piece, which took me months and months looking at all sorts of factors. But I can tell you for a fact that you, you're you seeing it in the United States. You've seen it with the elections and you've seen it with, with Trump commenting about it over and over that the amount that the corruption is now becoming more and more visible and it's shocking people. And boxing is just a microcosm of what the problem is on a macroeconomic, on a ma- on a nationwide level. It is, yeah. it is so bad over there. It, and the project that I talk about later on about money and, and what goes on, and you can just tie to it in, in terms of boxing as well, because it, it's all trickle-down effects from what happens on the national level to what happens in sport as well. So it's, it is... Uh, yeah. Man, why are we doing a podcast? Sometimes I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> it is disgusting, man. It is filth. Um, we're gonna have to do a. We're gonna have to do a piece on that later on. But anyway, um, so th- that was the news about a, a fight that has just recently been made official. Anything more in terms of news or fights or what's forth- forthcoming next week? Yes, we almost, look at the schedule. Yes, we almost forgot it because um, the next Saturday there's um, Earl Spence facing Dan Jacob. Uh, sorry, <laughs> Danny Garcia. Mm, okay, 
So the PBC trying to squeeze more money from an already financially depleted country. What is it? $74.99? Wow, this is just... Boxing fans are just getting financially raped at the moment. You know, it is. And and these people, that the gullibility of these guys that are still paying these, just to think that they're supporting boxing. You fucking idiots, man. Oh, you yeah. support box. You don't even understand anything about the creation of money, the distribution of income, and, and where these guys... Oh, man, the level of stupidity that I hear is just shocking, man, you know. I'm going to have to educate these idiots about the creation of money very soon. I'm going to do it next week here on the show, a little half-hour special, man, just to educate these people what the fuck, are the, what is going on in society. But in any case, official, um, Spence and, and, and Garcia, to me, um, Spence fighting, you know, a PBC fighter, you know, a, a guy who's former world champion, former unified 140-pound champion, but one of the beloved sons of that transsexual lover, Al Heyman. And I'm not being <laughs> facetious there. You, you can just, if you look at yeah. the internet carefully, you'll find all about the videos in circulation that they've been buying back with Al Heyman's sexual indiscretions. You know, I'm, I've got nothing against the guy. That That's his proclivity, you know. Fair enough. Uh, not for me, I'm afraid. But anyway... Um, El Spence of his of his car crash, and you know I haven't even seen that. And, and the way the way Fox Sports, I remember somebody speaking about it. Have you seen the way official that they did? They they've edited the whole crash. They've put in new cadence signals. They've EQ'd the crash uh, to almost make it like a ah uh, that they, they've they've changed the whole sound acoustics to almost make it like a like a, sat, a standout event is pathetic, man. How they're trying to profit off, uh, off, off, off this car crash that was called on, on CCTV, and they've just given it a complete video and sound enhancement, man. It is just. This... <laughs> I didn't. I wasn't oh. following. So, so, so they are really doing that. Uh, yeah, playing that yeah. Video. <laughs> they're trying to make it into some night rider shit. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> But it, for me, um, okay, you know, certain boxing fans have got a little bit of intrigue about what, what, what is what is the condition of Spence post surgery. You know, from what I understand, it's pretty extensive surgery. When you're he's he's gone for surgical implants, so there are from from my understanding that they're having to fix these into the skull itself, the top and the bottom, so that that's. That's pretty major surgery with with steel screws, so that's the only way that he has been able to, you know, chew down meals uh, once more. Um, so um, his his weight, you know, he's had sufficient time to train as well. So his his conditioning, from what I'm hearing, is looking pretty good. Is his check weights, you know, 20-day check weights, etc., have been all in the proximity because he's a big guy. But the thing I can't stand with Errol Spence is that, he, you know, he, he's very quick to make the demarcation that other fighters like Crawford is is on the wrong side of the, the fence. But 
all Errol Spencer's obsessed about is is fighters like Canelo, and he's made videos talking about how he's 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 trying to talk about how him and Canelo are the same size. I'm just as big as Canelo. He just has an obsession with fighting Canelo. And correct me if I'm not wrong, but Canelo is also on the other side of the the street as well. So there, there's no standards, no ethics to what these guys are saying. Errol Spence for me is one of those other fighters that you can make the argument that maybe the PBC are matching up correctly, but I don't think so. I, I think he's he's money orientated, and the fact that he fought Mikey Garcia, I think, clearly accentuates that, because that is not a legacy fight from any critical boxing analysis analyst. Sorry, they, 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 don't give me that shit, man. Mikey Garcia's pound for pound, so it's a, it's a legitimate fight. Get the fuck out of here, man. You're bringing up a. a, a you're bringing up a 126-pound fighter at 147 who is a financial mercenary anyway, has a name, and Al Heyman is clearly trying to make a new composition of a pay-per-view star in Errol Spence. So you put that fight on pay-per-view, and the whole objective is for Errol Spence to absorb Mikey Garcia's whatever mix, pure Mexican or... Sudai Mexican American fans. That's what he was all about. Mikey gets a tremendous payday, and so does Errol. And you know, had nothing more than that. That was just a money fight to get er Errol Spence into an an A side position. If there was ever a fight between him and Crawford, so they can clearly negotiate the terms, and he'll get a bigger split as well. So. That was a Floyd money, money Mayweather move, and Errol is one of his advocates. We know that, you know. Errol. So something has gone down the line with Errol and, and even Crawford because both of them went overseas and both of them won their maiden world championship overseas. So clearly the hunger and the desire was there for both of them, but both Errol and Terence Crawford, both of them are complicit, you know, Crawford has been more than comfortable banking, you know, 54 million for a fight whatsoever. And only now he starts complaining, the official, when he's coming to the end of his contract, whatever. He starts complaining now, but, you know, you don't hear anything beforehand as well. So it's not like they don't understand terms, agreements of contracts, or they don't have lawyers looking over their contracts. So I don't buy any of this bullshit from both fighters, you know. As far as I'm concerned, they're both B-level brawlers, both of them. Um, Spence has been very fortunate in fights as well. The way he took out his, his IBF mandatory with four low blows, uh, the Mexican cat, whatever his name was. you know, He gets away with murder in pretty much all of his fights. A prodigious low blow. Uh, he loves to hold behind the head and punch. He gets away with murder and Al Heyman will give him all the protection that he wants under the PBC banner because he's the big dog for them. He's the unified champion. And Danny Garcia, come on, man, look at his career. It's a shambles. I think that's a, a diabolical resume as well. Highly superficial. Um, he might have a good chin, but for me, what, what has happened to his boxing ability? He doesn't throw the... There's not the same conviction in the way he throws his punches now as well. Not a high work rate. Um, 
quite a sturdy 147 pounder, but the, the power is not translated from what it was at 140 pounds. And when you're gifted a world title fighting against Robert Guerrera, you know, a guy who was a very good lightweight and that's it. And he just jumped from 135 to 147, you know, the, these are all gifted and protected and financially rewarded fighters, man. So official, you know, me, I, I couldn't really give two fucks about that fight personally. Me neither. Look, uh, we are talking about uh, Danny Garcia, whose uh, 147 career or his whole career, in fact, his whole legacy is about being able to take a punch. That's all. And uh, beating uh, Lucas Matisse uh, seven, eight years ago, something like that. Uh, yeah. And Earl Spence, okay, you, you, you already talked about him uh, name-dropping Canelo, but people tend to forget that uh, we are talking about the same guy who used to say the same things to name call um, uh, Miguel Cotto five, six years ago yes. or something like that. He was talking about him like he was about to fight him, like he was chasing that fight. And <laughs> it, was, it was just uh, hype, you know. Um, the usual... Just uh, the, the, the same tactics that most of uh, the PBC Al Heyman guys use, so nothing new. Uh, Spence continues to, to, you know, to just talk without backing it up. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, let's say, no, first of all, I'll, I'll listen, listen like this. The only thing that I'm interested about this fight is how is Earl Spence going to look? How good is he going to be able to take a punch compared to before his car accident? But that's that's really that's really the, the, the only thing that I'm interested about when it comes to this fight. I cannot care less about the fight and how it goes. Um, if it was um, a pre-crash accident or Spence, no one would be interested into it. Perhaps the most of us would probably expect uh, the fight to go the same way, uh, pretty much the same way as it went in between Spence and uh, Mike Garcia. Uh, and uh, similar to Mikey, then is another guy who's uh, who's not a big welterweight uh, fighting a weight bully. Uh, another guy who would be stationary. Uh, me, but you know what? What was interesting in uh, in his fight against Mikey Garcia is that most of the people missed it missed it, but uh, Mikey, in fact, uh, shook uh, Earl Spence, put him on a, on a wobbly legs in the fifth round with the counter left hook. So it would be interesting to see if um, Danny Garcia would be able to catch him. But again, if, if it was Danny Garcia from 
a year or two ago because not only Spence, but Danny Garcia isn't looking good neither. His very last fight against Redcatch was embarrassing. His performance was embarrassing. Um, I was... I was wondering, was um, Danny Garcia that shot because he was looking so shot in that fight? So I was wondering if he was really that shot or if he was maybe a friend with Ratcatch and he was carrying him. And uh, I, I also had uh, got the impression watching his fight against Ratcatch that he was simply carrying Ratcatch uh, that he could have stopped him anytime he wanted, but he just chose not to um, approve for it. Maybe the way he reacted to to Redcatch biting him on on, um, on the shoulder. <laughs> um, I mean, uh, even Redcatch after doing so, he was laughing. Uh, I think Garcia. Two was was probably laughing. I'm, I'm not sure. Cannot remember. But yeah, I, I mean, look, I'm not interested because. Okay, we're. Uh, I have a problem. I have to restart my PC. Uh, but when, what I'm trying to say is. Uh, this is not only the question of how Errol Spence is going to look but also how Dan is going to look, being that he was looking terrible, terrible in the last fight. And uh, this fight maybe doesn't tell us anything about, uh, about Errol Spence and his, um, his current shape, because uh, he maybe he, he may be a diminished fighter, after after surviving a car crash, but maybe it doesn't show up just because uh, Danny Garcia is probably shot too, at least judging by his last yes. fight. So Absolutely. It's, a, it's a smart move from PBC because uh, uh, they, they're putting him against Danny Garcia, who's known for, for having uh, a granite chain, iron chain, can take a punch, is durable, and um, has a, a very good left hook. But no one wants, uh, wants oh, none of them wants to remind you of how terrible he was looking against Redcatch. So we, we may, maybe, maybe we'll have to, to wait for, for another fight to, to really see uh, has. Uh, has a car crash had any any negative, uh, you know, effect on Spence? Because Garcia, in you know, you've got a southpaw and you've got an orthodox fighter. Spence is obviously far more volume um, than Danny Garcia. Garcia likes to operate at that mid range and likes to hook from sort of mid range. Once upon a time, he had a good straight right hand, but he doesn't fight with the same sort of conviction and from what I've seen and it was non-existent in the red catch fight um there was a little bit of it flush flashes of it in the Granada's fight but Granada's has been he's a battle he's a battle down um warrior from a sort of 140 pounds as well so it doesn't have no power it didn't really pose 
you know, Garcia much damage with a good chin he has, so he can just sort of walk him down and just just manhandle him and, and just knock him out with his much bigger frame size and, and, and power as well. That's the only redemption Danny gets in the, in the sense that the Ivan Redcatch fight was an embarrassment and it definitely lowered the credibility and certainly his marketability as well from what I'm concerned. So I think Al Heyman has done a risk assessment and I think Al Heyman has clearly gauged that Danny Garcia is way past his best. He's not getting any better. He's fat and comfortable now. It's all about the paydays for him and a wash down Danny Garcia doesn't pose a significant threat to an Errol Spence who there is question marks about his physical well-being and his ability to take punches post-surgery. But if there was vulnerabilities in Errol doing that, then this fight would not have happened. I think Errol and uh, his trainer made that assessment after surgery and they started training and some heavy sparring sessions and Errol was able to take the punches, I think. Then clearly they wanted... Um, a notable PBC name that 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 will get him out on. And to be fair, he's not fighting an absolute bum, so you got to give him some credit. It, it is a name. It is a former world champion sure. who's taken, you know, Keith Furman to points. And Sean Porter has only suffered two split decision losses, and some people argue that he that he won both of those fights. So, um, so a reasonably good name. But as we mentioned, Tafaro, whose who's best performances was a number of years ago. And that's, for me, the key components. You've got to look at the momentum coming into the fight. And, and Danny Garcia's momentum is is terrible. Errol Spence's his momentum is better, but he's had very fortunate decisions as well in between some of the, the fights. Um, but he's... With the Sean Porter fight, but he, he did show good fight and dog in the fight because he was getting... Yeah subjugated the first six and he was coming back as well but as i mentioned it all stems from the number of low blows that's what softens sean porter up to allow for the second half uprising from spence you know if i keep low blowing you low blowing you 40 40 times that pain does not dissipate within 36 minutes go and speak to any medical professional and they will give you that answer that is a lingering pain that remains with you and you do not know what happens to the organs, etc. The, the actual damage which would start manifesting after, man. So those punches, you know, the, the body, those punches, to, to call them flash knockdowns or whatever, you, you've got no idea about the composition of the human body and how it works, you know. They, they, they. That's why those punches are illegal because of the damage they do. So if I keep hitting you in an illegal spot all those times, what the fuck do you think it's going to do to you? Just, use, just apply the simple logic, people. You know, a punch at the back of the head can kill you. You've got to look at the way the brain, the, the, the connection, the way it's con connected to your nervous system, etc. That Those blows can kill you. That's why rabbit punching is illegal as well. And punches to the kidney as well so if somebody's keep infringing those those rules and regulations by and, and you've got a referee who's clearly uh, you know 
he's clearly prone to giving him a pass and all of those and not even warning him or whatever or deducting any points because it's 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 all about screwing it's all about protecting this guy then why the fuck do you think i want to watch that fight and why the fuck do you think i want to watch any more of those fights on that same network with the same protected and insulated fighter man it is bullshit man so that's the reason why i'm a little bit disillusioned by this fight because i think we're going to get the same outcome errol spence wins this fight whether he wins it by knockout or in points my guess is probably on points um that's what i think will happen and what happens after boxing fans they've got no more equity with this with this marination that is going on otherwise we're going to find ourselves in the same predicament as watching Mike Tyson and Roy Jones. We're going to see this with Errol Spence and Terence Crawford, 55-year-olds fighting in 2048 or whatever, man. The long-lost long unification that never happened with these old fucking has-been, washed-up has-beens, man. That's what's going to happen. Um, you know, the WBC is creating that avenue for these fighters to come back with this bullshit exhibition sponsoring what they're doing. So. Terrible. Yeah, don't be surprised, man, if we see him coming back with walking sticks and Zimmer frames and, you know. <laughs> man, it, it, this, is, this is boxing for you now, man. It's a sad sight, man. It's yeah. Sad. Uh, triple JJJ in the chat room called Errol, Errol Spent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, well, what, what else I wanted to add is Let's say let, let's just imagine corruption that uh, Earl Spence stops uh, Danny Garcia. Uh, people would be saying, "Oh, it's impressive." Either it's impressive from Earl Spence, or that he uh, he came back even stronger after after the accident, um, while while they're f forgetting how how terrible. Danny Garcia is looking. I think that uh, all all lights are on Spence and his his car accident, and even all the boxing fans are also only uh, watching towards uh, Earl Spence. You know, analyzing him uh, before and after the accident, trying to gauge uh, what kind of fighting shape he he's at. Um, but but still, once more, they they're they, they're completely forgetting how bad Danny Garcia was looking. So let's say that Errol Spence stops um, uh, Danny Garcia the next week. To me, it it would still it still won't say anything about about Errol Spence or how good he is. Uh, to to me, if if that happens, it's only gonna be the case of uh, of people of everybody but us overlooking and easily forgetting how terrible Danny Garcia uh, was looking in his last fight and overlooking that uh, while they, they they were concentrating on Errol Spence's and his car accident, overlooking the fact that uh, Danny Garcia may already be shot by the time he, he found himself in the ring with Errol. Now, of course, some PBC fanboys are going to say that I'm uh, creating the excuses in advance. No, I'm... Uh, it's, it's just a pure logic. And uh, props for 
PBC that's something that that's very smart and as as you said it yourself corruption he's not fighting a complete bum he's fighting a guy who who used to be uh respect uh fairly respected fighter who could take a punch and be in the ring with the other top welterweight names but uh, and if if that stoppage happens in Spence's favor uh it's gonna only propel him even more and uh, you get even more people uh, talking about uh, Crawford standing, not standing a chance against him. Now, I can certainly make a case uh, for Spence winning uh, the potential Crawford fight, which would never happen, by the way, (laughs) like you said. (laughs) But uh, that if if the, the, the result is of this fight is such that Errol stops him, trust me that, that everybody is gonna talk about Spence coming back being great and Crawford uh, yeah. being on his level. That's it. I would official. I I wouldn't be surprised if if Danny Garcia took a dive in this fight. <laughs> Somehow they contrived. To give everyone a knockout victory, you know, the first of Danny Garcia's career, yeah. because he's he's clearly a spare tire for Al Heyman now. It's you just give him a little payday, you know, his father can get a bit of heroin, etc. So, <laughs> um, you know, it's a, that is just a, a shambolic, you know, to watch this guy and his father, man. What you know. The, a Puerto Rican, he doesn't know anything about Puerto Rican roots. Can he even speak Spanish, this kid, man? He's just an embarrassment, man. What the fuck are people watching with this fool? Um, you know, his ability to make records, you know. Should we talk about that? You know, some of the most diabolical stuff that you never hear. I mean, I wouldn't even play that when my dog's taking a shit. Because that would give you constipation. You know? A very talented, a musically talented family. You see man, the <laughs> and and people can say, what do you know about music? But, you know, official knows about my history in that area and don't even want to test me in no, that no. Man, because that's my sector. There are a few people. Um, I know I know how to make records from scratch. You know, old analog equipment going back in the 80s, man. And I've done that in the past. So don't even get me started on music because it's a battle you will never, ever win. <laughs> no one's got a record collection anywhere near as close as mine, man. <laughs> no one. But that's that's something for another day. Anyway, official, enough of that fight. I'm going for Errol Spence, whatever, man. Doesn't I don't really give a fuck. Is there any I don't think there's anything on the undercard. I think there's Sebastian Pandora, some some guys as tall as a giraffe fighting in the weight category that he shouldn't be. Um I don't know whether I don't know whether there's uh, what's happening with I think Nordino Bali is out of the WBC fight and I think it might be uh, Emmanuel Rodriguez and uh, Nanita Donier now I don't know whether that's going to happen on the PBC card but that's a fight I'm, I like I don't know whether you heard about that but I think I think it's going to be Rodriguez and, and Donier now and then the fight the winner fights a Bali later on or something. I think they're giving him a champion in recess, but I, I'm not sure whether it's happening on this card. I, I, I've got no idea, but that that's a 
Yeah, yeah. In fact, I heard that Rodriguez uh, is going to replace uh, Ubali um, against Donner, but I know that it was to, supposed to be a separate card. Uh, Donner Ubali fight was uh, was supposed to be a main event on another PBC card, so it was not yeah. supposed to be on the other cards. But uh, let me see. I'm currently on Spence's box rack. Let me see the event. <clears throat> yeah, so beside, beside the main event, there is Sebastian Fondora against uh, Jorge Cota, Julio Ceja versus uh, Eduardo Ramirez, Francisco Santana, Jose Cito, uh, Miguel Lopez fighting somebody. Mm. Uh, no, no, so had, huh? yeah. Lopez and, and Santana, you know, that, that's going to be a fan friendly fight. That's. <laughs> Santana is completely washed up now, and, and Lopez, I've, I've always had respect for good fighter. You know, the way Canelo fucked him over was disgusting, man. You bring him up to 140, gets a victory from 140 to 147, and then you don't fight him at 147, you drag him up to 154. That's yeah. Canelo Alvarez, there for you people. <laughs> you know, your tongues are still up his ass, so. <laughs> Oh man, man, man! I I really need to to, to make that compilation of of your <laughs> of you going into abyss mode when uh, when you start insulting the fighters. I enjoy it so much. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know, James. I don't know. You know, I know what you're saying about the power, but Emmanuel Rodriguez is a fight I really like technically as well because. He doesn't have to move around the ring to find his distance and range. He gets, he finds that very quickly. He's just got that ability to find that 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 sort of range. Not blessed. He always has that lazy, lethargic style, man. But he's a beautiful boxer to watch. Whoever he gets knocked out of what, I just like seeing him in the ring because I'm a little bit worried about his killer instinct at times. He just goes into some sort of cruise control one, but. When you watch a fighter throw a punch and a hard punch with minimal effort, that's Emmanuel Rodriguez. Just watch the way he fires, you know, that left hook, the right hand. You know, it's for me, it's, it's just from a from a sort of a, an artistic and even a um, you, you know, just 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 looking at technical boxing and and against Doneri, you've also got another technician as well. So that 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 is a great fight, and I'm not sure whether it's a foregone conclusion that Donier knocks him out. Maybe I mean Donier, Donier, you know, uh, uh, Rodriguez got obliterated by by uh, in a way, but they, they they were both firing sort of simultaneous sort of left hooks in that one, and. Um, you know, in a way, and, and that's when the Rodriguez was a little bit more um, uh, vulnerable because you're going to get caught with that counter because his left hand was, was way up in the air in that one. So, but so we don't know it about Nonitoro as well in terms of what is what is um, his ability and his and his punch resistance is like after that 12 round magnificent fight of the year, one of the greatest fights in the number of years. So so far, he's, he's not showed that 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 degradation in his punch resistance. So, 
and he's a warrior and all time great. I love Nonito Doner, but for me, oh, yeah. I'm I hear what you're saying, James, and it, it, it's it's a it's a logical assumption to make, and that's I guess that's the, the the prognostication that a lot of fight fans are having. But I'm not too sure. I've got to I've got to look at Donier's training videos. I've got to see what sort of condition is where his weight is ballooned up a lot, and he's cutting a lot of weight to come back down. I've got to look at those factors. But we'll get into this fight, and we'll an official and myself will get into some real deep technical talk about the fight build-up, we'll, we'll try and monitor that as well, because that's a real... I don't know about you, official, I'm sure you as well, but that's a real good fight I'm looking forward to. Oh, oh me too. In fact, I, I was just about to tell you that a couple of days ago, I yeah. downloaded the... Uh, or, or no, I haven't downloaded it yet, but I was about to... Uh, Rodriguez's fight against uh, Maloney, I, I wanted to watch it as well as his other fights. And I'm very interested into that fight uh, as well as you. Now it's... Um, it's um, how do you say... I'm very interested into some things that uh, Donaire said. In fact, he said that uh, he's uh, in one of the recent interviews uh, on boxing scene a couple of months ago, probably ju just a few months ago, not not a very long time ago, uh, that he's staying on in shape all the time that his uh, his weight is very low in fact now i don't know how honest he was being or how how true is it but he was saying that uh, he he could easily drop to 115 and that uh, he was mentioning he would love to fight chocolatito at that weight <laughs> so i, I don't That's know crazy. how crazy yeah, I don't know how true is it because we we know that uh, Donner used to, especially before he he used to 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 balloon up in weight in between the fights, and uh, he he was one of those who who, who was uh, draining himself in order to stay at weight. So I, I'm I'm just wondering how how true is it. But at least that's that's what Tonito said that he's uh, he's staying in shape all the time for the first time in history or something like that. I think so. The way if if Rodriguez is going to win this fight, he's going to have to target the body and just overload the body from round one. That's going to be his only way. That's yeah. the only way he's going to break down Donner. And and if if he's going to accrue, if he's going to get a win by him, it's just highly inconceivable. I know, but. You never know when Donner definitely has vulnerabilities to the body. There's no he's been hurt multiple times to the body, even in the past as well. And Inouye did that as well. Should have got a knockout victory over Donner. Yes. Body checked to Inouye. Go and watch that fight. And it was clearly more than 10 seconds in the time it took for him to go down and get up. And um so uh, and uh, Rodriguez has got the ability to work that body, but that's what he's going to have to do. He's got no choice. He's, and if he finds his distance and his range, would he, and he has a sixth sense of doing that, then that's what he's got to work out. And I agree, it's going to be difficult by headshots to even get a points decision victory. Donaire is probably going to even outwork him as well. Rodriguez is not a big power. He's not prodigious in terms of his volume. That's not his style. He's about punch placement, countering. He's a counter puncher. It's about um not not it's not 
volume it's 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 precision and timing and accuracy so but he's not tremendously heavy-handed yeah i agree absolutely but he does have a you know the ability to work the body and he's got to do that it's just simple that's that's his way to victory and we'll see whether it factors in later on but that's a great fight and i'm sure we'll, we'll be interacting on that one later on um uh, there's nothing else for me official on that pbc card um any other fights on any other networks next week uh yeah uh hold on let me see it let me check the schedule uh yeah by the way uh, the fight between uh, rodriguez and donaire is happening on the 19th of december uh but Great. okay what what else is there next week um <laughs> uh, it, officially it, it looks like our favorite filipino john real casimir i've just got the feeling he's gonna fight guillermo rigondio in some sort of yeah yeah that that's yes. i could be wrong but that's that's the impression i'm getting he's gonna go up in weight and fight rigondio uh, yeah but uh, i mean look it's for sure i'm i'm, I'm gonna be watching that fight for sure and yeah. uh I, I, I even kind of like it, but it's it's a downstep from uh, from from the fight that he was supposed to take and that he ducked. And uh, yeah, he he he's uh, he's uh, he's another one. Unfortunately, now it's happening even with uh, with the bantamweights um, being on the usual on the typical PBC diet. Um, yeah. Just Errol, Errol Spence opening his mouth too much, talking too much, and then uh, showing you much less, you know. So I'm, I'm. It, it's a very good fight. I mean, it depends. Being that uh, Rigo is very old and past it, uh, I'm even wondering how good, how how really good of a fight it is. Not a bad fight for sure. It's certain, but. Not the one that uh, we were expecting to see, and uh, that's why I'm disappointed. Um, yeah, but yeah, anyway, uh, December the second. Uh, okay, just Dickinson, Ram Walsh, Bolotniks, and Serge Michael. Uh, yeah, the, um, the next Friday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Billy Joe Saunders is uh, waking uh, Martin Murray from the death from the dead cryogenically uh, oh my god resurrecting Murray uh, then uh, on, on uh, Saturday I think yeah Yard is coming back uh, against Lyndon Arthur uh and that's it. That's it. We already mentioned the Spence card. Mm. Okay. Not a not a tremendous amount of fights, uh, but yeah, the Anthony Yard fight. That, that's that's it, Lyndon Arthur. That that should be that'll be a decent fight to watch as well. And. For us as well, officially, it'd be a great time. Yeah. This fucking four o'clock of nonsense. Um, yeah. Where's which? Um, it's on BT Sport. 
Yeah, I wonder which where is it taking? That's going to be in London alone. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, at uh, Royal Albert Hall. Ah, oh, nice. And that was the thing with the Royal. You know, I mean, I know the Royal Albert Hall, and and that was the problem that uh, they only have a license up until twelve o'clock, and I think that might have been the problem as to why the uh, the Tyson Fury and the Edric Cabal Hell fight might have broken down because. ESPN wanted the fight to commence after 12 p.m. Greenwich um, Meridian time. Yeah. But the Royal Albert Hall doesn't have a license that can, they have to get special dispensation from, um, um, whichever council is overseeing that, that, that jurisdiction. So, it's possible, but it would have been difficult. So that, that, that's the reason that they're stipulating, but it may be more due to the arbitration that is going on with Wilder as well. So that's, it's an interesting one. They might have just used that as yeah. a scapegoat to delay the fight. But I don't give a fuck about that anyway, man. You know, <laughs> people are just scamming Deontay Wilder, man. You know, a dispute resolution, what are they going to do? You know, it, if there's no if there's no val if there's no veracity in the contract and you've got Harvard lawyers going over the contract, then what what's a what's an ombudsman service going to do? You know, in terms of the, uh, what they're going to do, they're going to they're going to resurrect a contract that that the terms and agreements have have expired and, it, and there is no there's no recourse to a third match then un unless a new contract is drawn up. So, man, yeah. Man, these people don't understand contract. They, they've never even signed a working contract in their life, man. Uh, fuck all, man. The, um, the only other explanation, in my opinion, would be if uh, they they already uh, secretly agreed on a third fight and maybe they're maybe doing this just uh, yeah. that, you know, Hype it up, but it. I, 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 possible, but I personally doubt it. I, I really think that is disgusting. And, and official, this is what we were saying about Tyson Fury before. He is not an honest or legitimate character, man. He's made up so much shit oh. his entire life under this Christian sanctimonious pretense, man. Go and speak to his wife what he was doing when he had all of the money, man. He was away for three, four weeks out partying drinking it's got nothing to do with mental health some sort of brain injury man it, man the, the gullibility of these people is just extraordinary man he's got yeah. no morals go and listen to what his wife was saying man you know look at the way he flirts with women on camera whatever man that, that's just a, 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 a disgusting thing man when i see that it sickens me and when you see people like you know alexander rusik who are very heavily you know man of religion and faith they it plays such an important part of his life you don't see any of that shenanigans out there and when oh, you yes. see Usyk, the way he was sparring with dave allen and any i don't know what you saw the sparring footage official when he basically yeah, knocked out dave allen on his feet what did he do he's he propped the guy from falling down man he stopped and went straight over to him realized the guy was hurt badly man that's the way you're supposed to conduct yourself you know, Absolutely, ring man. You know that. That's what I respect personally, man. Um, you know, you, you're comparing completely different, different characters, born and raised, man. It's just for me, man. I, I want to see Usyk, and I want to see him. I want to see Usyk dethrone Fury. That's the fight for me, man. 
not interested in anything else, man. And it's interesting that James Ali Bashir, who people think might have some sort of a re some sort of animosity against Usyk, because he was unceremoniously swept aside in favor of you know Yuri Kishenko and 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 the rest of the camp, but he harbors no ill will or criticism. And it's funny it's funny that official that James Ali Bashir believes that Tyson Fury is actually a, a far easier fight for Usyk than say a Joshua or a Wilder, and it. He's a man who knows what he's talking about. I'm not saying that, that you know that is, but he's looked at all of those fights way, way before, and he's one of the best trainers there is around as far as I'm concerned. You know, he knows what he's and he's worked with heavyweights his entire life, and that's that's that was his views. So, you know. Yes, I, I mean I would not be surprised neither. He, um... In some way, it makes sense, especially when, when you see how bad uh, um, Fury looks against some of those shorter, smaller fighters. It, it makes sense, plus uh, add to it uh, the, the boxing talent and the physical abilities that uh, Usyk possess. Uh, very, very, very possible, man. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, speaking of Tyson Fury, I, I even... Uh, told to other people about even during the build-up of uh, Valder fight first or the second or even the first Valder fight I was mentioning some things as well about about him not being honest being a great showman and uh, he, he, he's amazing at promoting himself but uh, far away far away from being honest um, I mean, uh, many things that that he was saying about, even about Joshua, AJ, or uh, or Wilder in the build-up of, of the first two fights. I mean, like, uh, I, I cannot exactly remember, but I know that there are many, not that important to me, but uh, but clear indications to me of how how great that guy is at promoting himself and uh, hyping himself up, but also at lying, you know, and uh, he, 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 he's changing his tune uh, from, uh, from fight to fight to, to how it, um, in a way, so, so it works um, in yeah. a best way for him in his favor. But... Uh, I'll tell you, official, you know, I mean, I, I'm not a mental health expert, but I've spoken, I, I know people who have suffered it, and I've spoken with a lot of individuals and done a lot of research, and I've looked at the precipitating factors and, and when it manifests, and I can tell you that the propensity of, of mental health to to manifest when, when, when a fighter has just realized, has, has fulfilled his goals, his his all his life, he's, he's wanted to be the world heavyweight champion. And when he achieves it, he, he climbs the top of the mountain. And we know with, with money as well, the biggest problem about not having money is worrying about not having money. And that, that, yeah. that's a massive burden that causes a, 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 all of these problems for people. So when you find yourself in the position where you've, you've achieved your goals, you've made an astronomical amount of money, you can support all of your family, I'm sorry, that does not cause mental mental illness. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's the complete opposite. Go and look at the statistics of people who 
who they've had factors of depression, loneliness, unemployment, all of those factors, abusing their body, all of those fact, all of those symptoms have some subsequently culminated into. It's not the opposite, people. It's not when you've you've made it, you've had you've achieved success. It does happen as well, but go and look at the statistics that are, that, that that I'm sorry, I, I I don't buy that one second whatsoever. And the fact that Tyson Fury in all of his earlier go and look at his earlier videos after fights, he, he he never he explicitly said he's got no mental problems, he's never had depression and all of this, and then suddenly when he's got it later on, he talks about how he's had it all his life, man. Sorry, that's a con complete contradiction of what you were saying before. Um, I, I don't subscribe to that nonsense. That was all about, you know, the British Boxing Board of Control and UCAD it, and the way they retrospectively and discreetly and, and whatever, they didn't follow any of WADA, the World Anti-Doping um, Authority, who uh, UCAD is an affiliate of, so they have to co they have to follow their rules and they never publish their prohibited list. They never release case notes. Um, the way they adjudicated on that whole Nandrolin was was shocking. And uh, that that's what this whole Trojan horse was about. So they just backdated the ban discreetly instead of, you know, no one would even notice whatever or even question the samples, whatever. So that that was that was what we were talking about in terms of the, the, the protection and insulation and Tyson Fury has received throughout his career. It's, it's shocking, you know, but people seem to think that he is this Mr. Air invincible and he's the best defensive master, whatever, man, but a fighter who gets outboxed, he gets knocked down by pretty much everybody. You know, he gets protected by referees, even Deontay Wilder, a complete bum almost knocks him out, knocks him down twice. So, you know, it's that same Muhammad Ali effect. I am the greatest. He advocated that, said nothing but that, and it's subliminally that it hypnotizes all of the, all of the, the journalists, whatever, because they've never seen a brash and you know character like that. So they all run that story, and everybody believes it. And you get that with Tyson Fury to a certain degree. I know a little bit of a microcosm, but he does the same thing. You know, I'm the greatest, whatever, since. Muhammad Ali or even better than him but it's just all bullshit people you know don't be fooled by the six foot nine size man that guy can get beaten up and up I've seen it you know John McDermott already did it he has already shown you how to beat the you know Tyson Fury but they couldn't have that defeat and you know he's his promoters got him a rematch straight away so uh, that's that's we'll cover that another day but any Anyway, official. That's um, that's pretty much it from from myself. I don't know if there's any other points you want to make. Uh, yeah, uh, just one quick point. I want to address the comment in the comment section from uh, James Thornton um, when we we were listing uh, listing the fights coming up. Uh, he mentioned Ioka and Tanaka on 31st December. Uh, yeah, James, don't worry about that fight. We we are surely going to cover to cover it. But I use this opportunity to mention that um, I already started doing the film study on that fight. So corruption and myself, well. We, we'll have to decide exactly how are we going to do it, but. Um, 
we can easily start doing uh, you know corruption we may start doing um, and we already spoke about this uh, so, so we are probably going to start doing the breakdowns either on the show or uploading uh, separate videos uh, very often from now on including Yoka and Tanaka so I don't know we, we haven't really clarified it yet how how are we going to proceed exactly uh, we may do both on the show take uh, take a part of the show and uh, use it for, uh, for for the breakdowns of uh, of a fighter or two yeah. so we may and look uh, yeah when it comes to yoke and tanaka we or any other fight that that, that from uh, really japan that's our speciality yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I was doing a live stream on these fighters when, when Kose was fighting for his world championships. So, me and Nata, we covered him and Moses Fuentes live as well from Japan when he won his second title. So, yeah, I covered Ioko and uh Hernandez. And when he when he unified at minimum weight, I was on the live stream from Japan. So, yeah, we, we know these fighters, you know, intimately <laughs> better than. 99% of the YouTube community. So don't worry about that. We're just going to find the best medium for presenting our analysis. It might be in short, compact videos as a separate project, or it may be within a live stream, depending where what is easy for people to access. But I don't know, official and my will decide on that in due course. But yeah, there's going to be a lot of, there's going to be some great, great stuff coming up, you know, deficiencies advantages etc all sorts of craft previous fights we're gonna there's gonna be an autopsy on those two guys ultimately yeah. leading to a prediction on that before but we're gonna cover the entire cards in japan ohashi um taking promotions um it should be two cards over two days i hope it's still maintaining that uh that's that's what the early indication was so we'll, we'll do that uh, yeah, exactly. And so what I also wanted to say about uh, this fight between Yoke and Tanaka, as well as uh, about any other fight that really catches our interest, we we, we could even, just like you said, we could uh, go on and uh, do it... Um, do the breakdowns about them. It, it can possibly get extent... How do you say... We are not obligated to, to, to do the breakdowns on only one show. We may start doing them, you know, we, we may do a couple of breakdowns uh, on a couple of shows about about that particular fight because there's, there, there's a lot to, uh, to talk about. The last night, uh, indeed, I was um, uh, doing my film study on... Uh, on Kosei Tanaka's fight against uh, Taguchi, Ryochi Taguchi. And so that fight was so interesting to me that uh, only in the first three, four rounds, I already, already had uh, gathered enough of material for, uh, <laughs> for, for an for an hour long uh, film study you know from from only the first three or four rounds so yeah corruption what i'm trying to say is uh, possibly it may 
our, our breakdown series on uh, Yokatanaka may get very long, but yeah, because, for the, because the fights we want to we want to focus in on, you know, see, Kosei before was was he didn't have the boxing ability very on, and he was very much relying on his power to get him out of fights, and and to win certainly when he won his first world title as well, the power came to the rescue, so. We'll talk about the progression of his boxing ability because he's 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 the guy who literally carries the heart on his sleeve. So it's that warrior mentality. That's that's the advantage I think he's gonna have. I think when it goes down to the trench, when it's like a trench warfare, you know this guy is gonna be tough because he's fought he's fought with broken limbs broken eye sockets in the ring as well against murderous punches so this guy is a warrior you know in the true sort of embodiment of the word and we'll, we'll try and factor that and and, and look at that and the, you know the true sort of technical ability of say an Ioka with the ability he has like fighting um at sort of different sort of ranges and he's in his work rate and activity and he's counter punching as well so this there's so many fights to look at with with, with Kosei um, and even with Yoka because you've got to go back to you know minimum weight, uh, light flyweight, flyweight, and then you know he's not had a, a, a lot of fights at at, at super flyweight. So we, we tend to focus on uh, certainly I want to look at um, Yoka at, at sort of minimum weight when he was unifying titles as well because I think he was brilliant back then. So. Yeah, we'll have to try and find a nice medium of not, not, not sort of elongating it too much, but just get, you know, short pertinent points. But, you know, it's it's a learning process for us as well in trying to find a good balance. I don't want to make the podcast too long where people are not absorbing the, the, the stuff, and and certainly we we did that with the Gennady Golovkin breakdowns as well, which I think it's such an underrated portion, but. Somehow people may have got a little bit, uh, they got too subjugated by all of our vocal analysis before and they may just not have seen that. So that's why we try and do those um, those markers at the bottom so people can just focus on the specific areas. So it's a case of using either those markers and, and separating it or we'll just do them as fresh separate videos then that might get maximum attention on them. So we'll try and come up with a balance. On that yeah i couldn't say it any better okay and um i think that'll be it for this sunday evening and um want to thank everybody who joined us for the live youtube uh broadcast of the uh podcast and to all the new people who joined us as well and a lot of great comments and, and sort of recommendations on fights and fighters so I want to thank everybody IBT Boxing, Alone El Dog joined us earlier, Shepherd of Sons Triple J great comments from James Fulton uh, we'll definitely be speaking a lot more about those fights in due course so yeah we like this interaction with you guys as well um, who else did we have uh, Nick Nick Hamer is always giving a shout out to official one of your soldiers uh, Matisse <laughs> big shout out to you as well um, 
Philo Brand. Wolves. Never seen him before. Me neither. Yeah. Big up to you as well, my friend. Um, and to anybody else, apologies. You know, no discourtesy if I've forgotten anybody, but all of the, the usual cats. Um, shout out to everybody across the whole YouTube boxing community as well. You know, everybody's trying to do their thing as well. Can get a little bit overcritical about their content, but nah. Anyway, that'll be so. That'll be it for myself. Big up to everybody, and uh, we'll be back this time. Hopefully, we'll we'll get the time schedule a, a bit back to the normal hours as well. It's just been a little bit difficult. A uh, lot's going on with official on his end as well, and yeah, just come back back into the country as well. I've had a period away as well so we'll try and get back into a bit of normality with the schedule hopefully we'll try and stick to the um 9 p.m central european time as well because that that's probably going to be the better way of just keeping all of the subscribers and just just so people know in advance as well so official yeah so Thank you to everybody for uh, for tuning in. Thank you, Corruption, for uh, for this opportunity, for another opportunity to talk about boxing. I missed it after missing the last, not being able to to do the last show. So see you later, guys. See you the next time, the next Sunday, and uh, thank you, everybody. Peace Sayonara. Out.